0: What up? Podcast today is brought to you by Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, located at 8 Greenleaf Woods Drive in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, We have all the amenities that you need because we are located inside the Seacoast Sports Club. Pool, sauna, locker room, showers. What are you doing with your hands over there? (laughs) Go on. I forgot what I was talking about now. (laughs) Anyway, we're open seven days a week, have classes for everyone that you could possibly think of, beginners, experts, kids, got a striking class, do some no-gi, schedule's up-to-date on the website, portcitybjj.com, come get some jiu in your life.
1: And also by Ever Proven CrossFit, a uh, fully functional CrossFit gym, yeah, we don't have karate, which is what you're doing with your hands, <laughs> all right? Ah, uh, karate is awesome. Uh, you can reach us at 603-740-0822 to know our exact location. Um, if, you Google, uh, the, <laughs> if you try to Google where we are in the, if you try to Google where we are in the old mill downtown Dover, New Hampshire, uh, fifty one Washington Street, it might send you to the wrong door. So, uh, best bet is call that number again, 603 822 to find out the directions to our front door. Um, you can also go on our website, www.evrprvn.com, or email uh, the box manager, stone at everproven.com. That's evrprvn.com. Again, because we don't like valves. And. Here's the podcast.
0: Here's the fucking podcast. I've been punched in the face so many times. (laughs) All right, welcome back
1: to Sharp Bind Society podcast number six. Uh,
0: Today, we have a special guest all the way up from Philadelphia. Uh, Police officer, skateboarder, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Uh, Pete, what's up, buddy? What's up? Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So, a little background on how I became aware of Pete. Um, we actually just met yesterday for the first time and friends on Facebook for a while. Um, so Pete is a black belt under Jared Weiner at BJJ United. Um, if you guys don't know Jared, uh, you should look him up anyway, even if you don't do jiu-jitsu. Real intense guy, you know, kind of legend in the jiu-jitsu community. Animal. Yeah, he's an animal. Uh, you know, been through some harrowing stuff lately and came out the other side way better for it um you know just i can remember uh when i started jujitsu um way back in the day it was right when kenny Florin was on the ultimate fighter uh-huh. and that was like right when jared was coming up to boston a lot and he and keith used to have wars in the training room and like it was like man like this guy is intense you know and it's funny over the years uh starting jujitsu and being a white belt and being intimidated by all those guys whatever and now like I talk to him kind of on a regular basis every couple weeks, send him a text message or whatever. It's It's, crazy. It's crazy. Like we talk about it all the time. Like in the worlds we run in, how the people you start to admire become really accessible, which is really awesome. But one day on Jared's Facebook, he posts this picture of Jared in his uniform and Pete in his uniform standing in front of the BJJ United. Logo that they have on the wall about how Pete had stopped a mugger uh, <laughs> <laughs> off duty. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And like, I think there was some jujitsu that you used on the guy. There was a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, who the hell is this guy? This is crazy. So, like, started following Pete on Facebook, <laughs> added him as a friend. We just kind of converse back and forth a couple times. And, you know, here he is. uh So that's how I. uh
2: That was a good story, too. I forgot about
0: that. Yeah. So, like, I was, it was one of those things where I was like, this is insane, like, like you know, it's the stuff you hear about, like, on TV or like in the movies or whatever. And you know, you're out there really doing it. So, uh, I'll I'll see if I can post a good picture on our social media of Pete. But you look at Pete, and you like the first thing you think of is nice. not cop, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nicest guy ever. Right. Well, yeah, but so, uh yeah, just don't like tattoos, skateboarder. How did the whole cop thing come to be it's It's actually pretty stupid <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so a lot of people in my family are cops my 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 dad's retired my two of, two of my brothers um later on you know my my wife's family and all that stuff, so there's a lot of them in the family now but uh I had never had any interest in being a cop or. I'm not into guns or any kind of shit like that. I was just like this little punk rock kid that skateboarded. And so there was a movie a long time ago called Running Scared with uh, Gre- the one with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal, the yeah. original one. Yeah, That's yeah. Such a good it was movie. like one of my favorite movies. And I'm not even kidding you; it, it was this stupid. I was like, that shit looks like it would be fun to do. I should, <laughs> and I took the police test, just like literally because I the movie I love the movie and I thought it would be fun. Right, and
1: that was it. And the rest uh, is history. I, th- I yeah. think the image. And of, I ended up being pretty good at it, so right. I stuck with it. Right. The image of uh, Gregory Hines and Long John shooting like yeah. they like, what is it, they come yeah. out of an alley and they're sh- shooting yeah. in his long underwear. Right. It was yeah. burned in my brain forever.
2: Yeah, he he <laughs> took their he took their pants in the in the apartment building. <laughs> I know that whole movie like almost word for word see i was it's thinking so it was like stupid, so, some, some big epic story and it like nope, no like, that okay, was a, a fucking movie and it led to a pretty successful career
0: that's awesome uh so what came first jujitsu or law enforcement
2: uh law enforcement
0: yeah yeah how'd you get into jujitsu
2: so <clears throat> it seems like everything that happens to me in my life there's like some kind of weird story behind it so jujitsu was was it two-part story and the two parts in the beginning were completely unrelated and end up pretty much coming together again after I got my black belt it was, it was kind of weird so uh, I had watched a couple of the early UFCs and um, it, it didn't really I, I wasn't I, I enjoyed them but I wasn't like struck by it to the point where like I wanted to go learn jiu it was just like oh that was pretty cool like this small guy's beating the shit out all these bigger people and you know it, it kind of came and went with me and uh doing an investigation uh, once i became a cop uh took us uh, got me and the people that i work with to a warehouse space where we were basically raiding we were raiding the warehouse space um specifically for the guy who owned the actual building so we go in <clears throat> and there's a fucking jujitsu class getting ready to start. So these guys, the, these guys were renting out part of the warehouse space to to do classes. So they couldn't start their class. Like they basically had to, like you know, sit there and wait for us to get done our thing. And I think we were we were there for probably I don't know three or four hours. So their their class got all fucked up. And I was talking to a couple of the guys just bullshitting with them, like explaining to them, like it didn't have anything to do with them, but you know, we got to do what we got to do here. And you guys, you know, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to do your class. You're gonna have to wait for us to leave. All right. So one of the guys, I, I talked to him a little bit more than the other guys. I think it was a blue belt at the time. Um, so we did our thing and we left and you know, they were talking a little bit about jujitsu. I didn't really know what it was about. So, um, but even that at that point, kind of came and went. I, I did my thing. So fast forward a couple years later, I had been friends with Jared since before, um, before he even started doing jiu-jitsu, like from skateboarding back when we were uh, in our early teens. So I hadn't seen him for a couple years, and I had, I had heard that he was going back and forth to Brazil and competing a lot of stuff. So I think it was like maybe two or three years I hadn't seen him. And just one fucking random day, I'm, I'm working, and I'm stopped at a red light. And I look to my left, and lo and behold, there's Jared sitting outside of the original BJJ United location um, in a pretty much the complete opposite side of the city from where he was from. So he was the last person I expected to see there. So I look over. He's sitting outside talking on the phone on like a lawn chair, (laughs) like a plastic lawn chair. So I beep and yell to him, and I pull over, and I start talking to him. He had just opened up the school, I think, maybe less than a month before that. So I had, aside from skateboarding, like I was working out and stuff, but I, I'm not like a, like an athletically gifted person, right. you know, like everything physical that I do is is a struggle for me. Like it's, nothing comes easy for me. Right. So he says, why don't you come in and check it out? I'm not even thinking about this other, like that other incident before. So I go in and at the time I, I, I walk around probably like 190, between 190 and 195 i was like 225 230 like pretty jacked up but it was it was just straight like weightlifting, right you know like traditional so i I figured i was in good shape so the first person i roll with and i go in he gives me a gi and stuff so i roll with this kid i think he was 15 at the time he was like 135 pounds and with literally within the first 60 seconds he i think he submitted me like four or five times and i I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I literally felt like I was going to die. I, aside from the submissions, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack and right. die. So <clears throat> I think with everybody that starts training, you're going to get one of two reactions to that. You're either going to get, fuck this, you know, like my ego can't take getting beat by a smaller, younger guy. Right. Or, it's, or, which is the the reaction I had was fuck, if this happened on the street to me, I'd be dead right now. Right. From like a 15-year-old fucking 135-pound kid. So right. I was like, I got to learn this. Right. Like, it was strictly survival. Right. I was like, I, I'm not going to fucking, <laughs> I'm right. not going to die like this. Right. And uh, and that was it. And right. I started training and never looked back.
0: Right. That's, we've had the same conversation, right? Like, the, we're talking about jujitsu and it's that everyone has that reaction. It's like, you yeah. can't fucking take... Getting the shit kicked out of me. Or I do not like this and I need to learn how to make it stop. Yeah.
2: And there's no in between. It's right. either one extreme or the other. Yeah. So so now fast forward from the time I started. Um, I've, I've been training for almost 16 years now. So fast forward now. <clears throat> I get my black belt in 2013. <clears throat> I sprained my MCL on my one knee. So I go to this, um, like one of those ready care places. Just to get it checked out, and I'm sitting on the side, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, I fucking know this guy from somewhere, and he's one of the like one of the physical therapist guys. So I'm looking at him. So finally, like, if I recognize somebody or I think I know you, I usually will say like, I I, I know you from somewhere or and I'll try to figure it out because it'll bug me the rest of the right. rest of the day. So I stop him. And I say, uh, I go, I know you from somewhere. <clears throat> he goes, I was, I was staring at you sitting in the chair and I was thinking the same thing. And then it strikes me. It's the, it was the guy from the original jujitsu class that I talked to the most. Right. Yeah. it was him. And he was the physical therapy guy where I was getting my knee checked out. So I said, Oh, did you know, you still training or whatever? And he goes, yeah, I'm a black belt. So he's a black belt. And I said, I, I started training a couple of years after that incident. And he remembered the whole incident. Right. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I just got my black belt a little while ago. And we ended up becoming friends after that. That's so awesome. it was weird. And, and right. he knows Jared and, you know, all part of the, all from the same crew that originally started at Maxercise, oh, like right. the guys that right. he trains with right. and ja- and Jared all trained together all started out at Maxercise with right. Steve Maxwell. So right.
0: yeah, so, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Scott doesn't do jujitsu and he doesn't really know about the jitsu culture. <laughs> but I want to. But yeah, he wants to. Got to clarify that. But uh, he does know who Steve Maxwell is, who is and like one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world. And if you guys don't know, he's also uh, I think he was uh, Helson's first American black belt, and he uh, like started jitsu in Philadelphia. Like he was like the guy who started like the whole scene, and, and that's where Jared started, and a lot of the I mean I think the guys from Balance started there too, and. And a lot of that justice scene came from that. One everybody place. from that
2: area, like all the, all the big black belts from, from that area all started at Maxwell's.
0: Yeah. So he's like kind of a, and now he drives, like, it's funny. He's got that life that I think everybody kind of wants now, but can't bring them. Like no one can make that jump. He like travels around the world and all, all his worldly possessions are in like a, 10 gallon backpack, and that's it. And like, he, like, I heard a story like some guy tried to give him a t shirt from, like, he did like a seminar at their academy, and they tried to give him a t shirt for the academy that he did the seminar at. And he was like, No, nah, no, nah, I can't take it. I can't take it. I'm like, Oh, no, you can take it. And I thought he was being gracious. He's like, No, he's like, I don't have room in my backpack for your goddamn t shirt. Like, I can't take it. <laughs> so he's a real eccentric guy, but legend in the jiu jitsu community. His son's fucking unreal at jiu jitsu, uh, Zach. Um, He's an animal, so.
2: You ever hear the story about how Jared started?
0: Um, I heard, I don't know, I've never met the guy, but he. I know that, like, it was Bean, right? That, yeah,
2: Bean's a legend. Yeah. But it was it the same thing, like, through skateboarding. Uh, Bean and Jared were best friends growing up, and and uh, Bean had started training and was training for a while. And I think, if I remember the story correctly, um, I've heard Jared tell it a couple times. Uh, Jared was, like, was, like, almost a professional skateboarder. Like he was in magazines and, uh, all kinds of videos, really, really good skater. And he was skating by Maxercise one day and Bean, I think Bean was coming out or going in and he saw him and they started talking and that was it. He went in and tried his first class. So right,
0: I think, uh, that's something I want to talk to you about was like kind of that, that cross culture between skateboarding and jujitsu, you know, um, we talk about, so I do CrossFit now and that we've, that's kind of how this this uh, this podcast started was finding those parallels in those physical activities, you know, and, and even in the the mental aspect of it of you know doing something hard that kind of makes you a better person for it. And yeah. I mean, I skated for a little while, and it, I mean it's 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 frustrating at the beginning, you know. You gotta it's you know. It's very technical, and it's way more physically demanding than most people give it credit for. Not to mention you've got to be accepted to the fact that you're probably going to get hurt at some point, you know. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like that with jiu-jitsu, too, you know. Um, yeah, I've never been hurt skateboarding. <laughs> 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 it, it hurts a lot more
1: falling now. Right. <laughs> yeah, A lot oh, more. Exactly. Yeah, getting older and skateboarding, like... Right. That, that that's being pretty diehard,
0: <laughs> but it seems like I mean I know that like the, the guys from Shorty Roll they kind of like they started as like a, a, a surf skate jujitsu company and uh-huh. I mean even those guys from Iwano, same thing. Um, what do you think it is with that that skateboard culture that has <clears throat> kind of transcended into jujitsu? Um, I I think
2: I think one of the biggest. Um, parallels with the two is um with jujitsu like you know you you train and you go someplace that um you know like uh, i'm from philly i'm a, i i come all the way up here up north and you know i meet people and it's like oh i train you train it's like we instantly have a brotherhood right um and it's the same thing in skateboarding like you could you know come from here and fly to fucking China and be talking to somebody and like they realize, you know, they recognize something you're wearing or or whatever and like, right. "Oh, you skate? Oh yeah, I skate too." and you're instantly brothers. Right. Um there's a lot of a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that skate. Right. Um You f- you familiar with Tom Knox? Yeah. Yeah. Tom's a fucking really good black belt out right. in California. He's right. an old school Santa Cruz pro and right. yeah,
0: fucking Right. Seems to be. Uh, I mean, I, it's a, the the culture is the kind of the same too. I feel like I, I know that I've I post uh, videos sometimes, and I think that's kind of how we connected too a little bit. Scott and I was like, it's you can go from in skateboarding. It's kind of the same thing with jujitsu. You can go from that like kind of flowy surf style to like that hard charging, like real intense yeah. in, in both things. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You can be kind of flowy in jiu-jitsu and like kind of relaxed and kind of let things happen as they go or you can be real hard-nosed and put your head down and put your nose to the grindstone and I remember posting pictures of like I was like I want my jiu-jitsu to be the same way as Mike V skates you know what I mean (laughs) kind of real simple but like hard-charging to Uh the point no fucking around whatever and Scott was like Hey man, anybody who's cool with Mike V is cool with me, and that's kind of <laughs> how like we fucking got that that relationship going too. Uh, on top of all the other things, but
1: yeah, like you you uh going off of what Tate Fletcher does is like talking about the universe and right. Yeah, it, it's there was a lot of simulators simulators yeah uh, when we first started becoming friends and it was right. But Mike V loved the dude right. Yeah,
2: and I think the other thing too, like with skateboarding, you're once you do it long enough your mind um when you look at things when you look at like like a curb or a ledge or a rail um a set of stairs like any kind of weird little thing your mind instantly looks at it and analyzes it in in like a skateboarder's mentality so so you're not thinking of um you, you see like this weird ledge coming off the side of you know a set of stairs and you're not thinking like oh i can you know, I can hold on to that wall while I'm walking down the steps or like, you know, some old person can use that for stability while what you're thinking like shit I can fucking you know front side five oh that ledge off the top of the steps or whatever. Right. Um and I've, and so it, it kinda trains your brain to think in a cer in a in a different way than it's supposed to. Right. And I think jujitsu does the same thing. Like once you get um once you get in your your mind is ingrained with jujitsu I think you start to look at everything differently.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. see that arm hanging out, you're like, "Oh, I could fucking Yeah, break you're that just thing. like, yeah, <laughs> you're like when you
2: look at somebody, you're like, "Oh, that looks like a nice nice guy," and you're but you're actually looking at him like, oh, f- "How could I fucking destroy this guy?" Oh, that's funny. But 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 you do and and I, and jiu makes you think about other things in life differently, too. Right. I I think.
0: Right. Well, that's like one of my fa like I'm not really a fan of his, I mean, the way he fights whatever Forrest Griffin said one of the funniest things ever that I it resonates all the time he said when another guy walks into the room there's two things you think about how big's his dick and how can I beat him in a fight and he's like you can't do anything about the first but you sure as hell can do something about the second yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we talked we talked about that too is like I think everyone's you know every red-blooded you know you know a male that is like full of testosterone no matter who it is you're you're your natural uh, inclination is to want to dominate and kind of be alpha. And you can kind of suppress that a little bit or, you know, and, and things like that. But that's like what the root of jiu is, is like, you know, how can I be the top dog? You know what I mean? And, you know, it doesn't always work out that way that you are the top dog, but that's how it kind of trains your brain is like, oh, these are the things that I can do to, to be that way. You know? Yeah,
2: it's crazy because like your, your, your goal in jiu-jitsu is to make the other person give up. Right. Like completely mentally physically just give up right but at the same time you're training yourself to not give up right so you're you know right and uh you know talking about like the testosterone stuff you know like you meet somebody especially like like operators in the military um like people that are involved with law enforcement where like it's not just a job but it's it actually becomes like part of like who like that mentality of who you are, you start thinking about survival. Like when you see people, you're, you know, you size people up all the time when you meet them. It's just, it's natural. But people like that, when, when you're sizing somebody up, you're like, if I meet you in my mind, I'm thinking like, how can I kill this guy? You know?
0: Right. Oh yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and it's, uh, people like get it wrong too, because it's not, a malicious thing. It's just like it's self-preservation, almost. You know what yeah. I mean? And then like, it's, it's it's weird that um, like I feel like, and it's one of those things I'm definitely trying to to curb with myself. And jujitsu has helped a lot. But it's like, you know, you're all like, I'm definitely the first thing I think of is like being in competition <laughs> with somebody. Like how like like what is this guy gonna do that's gonna make him better than me? And then how can I kind of combat that with like the things that i'm doing and i think that's kind of the healthy thing that jiu-jitsu fosters is like you know what i mean it's like you know you go we talk about uh some philosophies with like you know you tap this guy with the same technique a million times if you don't tell him how you're doing it that technique's never going to get any better right so you almost have to the the competition is healthy you know what i mean all that rising tides float all ships you know and that's that's the awesome thing about jiu-jitsu culture as far as i'm concerned you know
2: yeah i agree yeah
0: Oh, that's, like, the other thing that, like, I love about, um, especially Jared in, in, in particular. Is he's always putting techniques on, you know, Instagram, whatever. He's showing people the stuff that he's beating them with. Yeah, which is, and he's still going to catch you with it. Right, which is, <laughs> which is awesome. The other thing about Jared, and I noticed it like, the way you roll and everyone I've rolled from that same school, is it's that, like, there's and the one thing he said when he came up and taught it. Like, he doesn't teach fantasy. There's no fantasy techniques, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is the stuff that works, and this is the stuff we're going to do, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. Which is awesome.
2: Yeah. It's very frustrating right. <laughs> being somebody like uh just training Jared is Jared is in my opinion one of the best jujitsu guys in the world. Just he's super technical and right. he's just a fucking animal. Like it's his jujitsu is technical and crushing at the same time. Right. And uh, you know if, if I could ever be, you know, even half of what his jiu jitsu is, it'd be awesome. Like, I always try to emulate the way he, like, his pressure, his right. weight, his, his, uh, like, just the way he does everything is, is powerful and technical at the same time.
0: Right. right. Yeah. He's like, what does he weigh? Like 150 pounds, maybe?
2: It feels, but,
0: but he feels like he probably weighs fucking a thousand pounds. Yeah. Like he's so, like, it's so horrible. Yeah.
2: Especially if he gets nail belly on you. Like, right. I've seen people throw up just from, Neon belly pressure
0: i training with Jared for those two days that he was up here between him like like being the guy that he so he gave a couple of private lessons to my to a couple of my guys, and I was the guy that he would demonstrate on and then we took a seminar with him afterwards, and I got to between private lessons between the seminars where we got to like you know grow some techniques or whatever. Jared changed my neon belly in those few training sessions that. I did not. I, I hated neon belly before I trained with Jared, and then he like tweaked these little things like, oh no, do this, oh no, put this angle and put your knee here, whatever. And now people are like, oh, your neon belly is so fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all it's all Jared. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that. It's, it's his neon belly is gross. It's awesome. I'm so how much, of, how
1: much of how much of uh, training has has helped you in 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 your job? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
2: It's, it's the most effective thing for law enforcement. Like law enforcement should not be teaching any other defensive tactics other than jujitsu. It, it really is. I mean, it's 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 the best thing and the most functional thing to control people that are being combative and people that don't want to be controlled. Um, the bottom line is, if you you know if if. If you got to arrest somebody, like they're going, whether, I mean, nobody wants to go to jail. I wouldn't want to go to jail. So if they fight you, it's not like you're going to, you can say, like, oh, okay, you don't want to go to jail today. You know, well, you can go and we'll revisit this another day. That's it. Like you're going. So if you start fighting, um, you know, and and you don't have any uh, jujitsu, is jujitsu is going to negate the need most of the time for having to taser people, having to pepper spray people, having to kick and punch people to try to get their hands behind their back. I mean, some of the, you know, people, when, when people are fighting for their survival, it's, uh, it's, um, they're, you know, it's, it's almost like they're fighting for their life and they will not give up. They won't stop. And, and even people that aren't physically like uh, intimidating, like just average size people or people that, no, you know, would look like they're out of shape. I mean, they will not stop fighting. It's, it's hard, and if you don't have some kind of skill to to deal with that, you're going to resort to the tools that you have. You know, which is pepper sprays, tasers, sticks, and you know, no, you don't. Nobody wants. At least I don't. Um, I don't want to have to shoot electricity into somebody. I don't want to have to, you know, like stand over somebody, you know, hit, beating them with a stick just for them to put their hands behind their back, it's it's much more easy for me to just, you know, get them in a kimura grip and step around. I mean, it's – jiu-jitsu is, is so good for controlling people, especially people that don't train jiu-jitsu. It's like it, – it almost feels like they're just laying there letting you do it. Um, and it's and, and it's minimal minimal damage. It's, it's pain compliance, really. Right. You know what I mean? So
1: – this day, I mean, with everything that's happening these days with social media and, and I mean, the second the second there's any altercation with with PD and somebody else, especially being somebody that's that's uh, the, the, that's black is like people immediately pull out their cell phones and be like they're it's almost like they're waiting for it. <coughs> and, yeah. and having having a quick end of the resolution would probably be the most beneficial thing you could do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. Um, And you get a lot
2: of those people that will, will try to bait law enforcement into a confrontation just so they can videotape it. And and the media spins a lot of that shit too. Like, look, nobody, um, I'm sure there's some assholes out there. Um, but in general, I don't think, I I don't think there's, you know, like people in law enforcement don't wake up and say, you know what? I want to go beat the shit out of somebody today. Like I want to go find... Some like some dude to just kick the shit out of them, and you know, for no reason. Or I want to go like, you know what I am going to do today? I'm going to throw my uniform on. I want to go kill somebody today. Nobody, yeah. th- nobody like that's not the mentality of people.
1: That, I mean, that I see. I feel like that's what a lot of people just like. They see. They're, they're like, oh, like, all, like they. It's like they remove the the human factor out of police officers, and they're immediately just like, oh, the guys in blue. Are all fucking evil, and they just want to come out and harass and beat the shit out of people. But that's because that's what the media shows. Exactly,
0: you know. Well, it's also one of those things too. Like, I, yeah, police work has got to be one of the toughest jobs in the world, only for the simple fact that you are dealing with everyone you deal with having the worst day of their life. Yeah, whether they're the person that are like the victim or the person. Doing the victimizing, the prosecutor or, or or the perpetrator, that perpetrator is not having the best day of his life. Something spun him up to the point where he's doing something that bad, where the police had to get involved. Yeah. you know, it's just like you're just dealing with the worst.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, and and you know, for, <laughs> you're going to work to you're you're going to work for you know, you you leave leave for work the day, and and you know, most of the people you deal with are lying to you, right? You know, so, so your brain is, your brain starts to get wired to when you're speaking to people, trying to determine whether, like, what's the truth and what's lies. So, um, you know, and, and people are amped up and like you said, people are having a horrible day and, and you really gotta, as, as a law enforcement person, you really have to make a conscious effort to, to not, to not let your personality get to the point where you think everybody's lying. And you think everybody's a shithead and you think everybody's a scumbag. You know what I mean? Like you you have to, you, you still have to treat people like human beings. I mean, you know, not everybody makes the same decisions and the same choices in life. And it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they made, you know, bad choices or bad decisions that day. So, you know, it's it's a tough balancing act. And, and I see a lot of people um, fall into that where they just, they look at everybody, everybody that's not a cop, like, you know, you're you're not one of us like you're 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 less than we are you know we're we're the high and mighty and you're less than that and that's it's not the case but it's hard it's really hard especially with the media um with the media's input and uh and and all the shit on social media and stuff to not feel like it's it's an us against them situation you know.
0: do, you, do you feel like that um, – we talked about jiu preparing you physically and kind of for and, – and technically for the job. Do you think that jiu-jitsu has kind of changed your your mindset for the job as well? Oh, yeah, you totally. Because I feel like this is one thing that jujitsu did for me um, for sure was I stopped judging books by their cover, you know what I mean, for the jujitsu, There's so many people that have come into our academy where I'm like, guy come in and I kind of look at him funny and I'm like, mm, it doesn't really seem like a, a – a, He's on the level, you know, and like I don't think he's going to stick around. And, you know, I'll test him that first class. I'll stick him with, you know, like uh, with like one of our 115 pound, you know, girls or, or 15 year olds or whatever. And see how they react to that pressure, of, you know, because, you know, you can kind of guarantee they're going to get their ass kicked, you know. And, you know, and then there's other people that come in and they're, you know, athletic, you know, did some wrestling in college or something like that. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to stick around. I'm usually always wrong. The guy that I never thought was going to stick around sticks around, and the guy that I thought was going to stick around never does. And it's usually, and I, it's one of those things where I hate to admit it, but it's all based on first impression and looks. You know what I mean? So yeah. now I walk around, especially in my my daily life, and I don't throw that judgment out right away. Like if I like see someone in public or whatever, I'm like, I don't, you know, you know, kind of have my wits about me and, and and make sure everything's you know kosher on the level, or whatever. But I don't immediately assume just because of the way someone looks or their you know their mannerisms that they're they're automatically bad is that something that translates to police work and and how does that (coughs) um
2: for me i'm trying to think of how to answer this For me, um number one, I, I think the the thing that helps me not um not look at people that way is um I was involved in a couple things um growing up. So skateboarding, uh like punk rock and like the whole hardcore scene and stuff like that. Um and, and now jujitsu like those those things are all there's there's a huge dynamic of like a brother slash sisterhood Like family dynamic and all that stuff, and I think uh, and and the area I grew up in was was a mixed area, and you know, so I had you know Asian friends, Black friends, Hispanic friends. Um, The the school I went to was was mostly Black, and uh, you know, I was one of the maybe fifteen or twenty percent non Black students in that school. So I was used to being in a pretty diverse atmosphere. Um, but I. And and being in those different those different uh things growing up really gave me more of a sense of like of brotherhood and not um you know, not being addicted to somebody that until I, I I treat everybody with respect until they give me a reason not to. Right. Basically. Right. Um and I and as far as jujitsu goes I, I I think that that was already ingrained in me before I started, right? But what Jujitsu did was, um, you know, different principles like uh, like to keep pushing yourself. Um, the The concept of uh, I, I I've talked about it a couple of times before when I first started training. Um, you know, je- I would always hear when when and down in the lower belts. You know, like I'm I'm in a bad position and, and the guy's like really, really fighting to, to like pass or really fighting to submit. And I would hear Jared in the background screaming, don't accept, don't accept. Like basically don't give up. Like don't just let it happen. Keep pushing, keep trying to make space. I would constantly hear him screaming that. Don't accept, don't accept. So things like that ended up uh like translating over into other aspects of my life. So, and, and I think it, Hopefully it happens with most people. It should, but uh, you know, if, I was going through a rough period in in life uh, years ago, and uh, and it, it was hard. I was having a hard time dealing with it. It was hard for me to go to work. <clears throat> it was hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes, like I got it, that period was like I, I had trouble sometimes. Like I I literally was like I I I want to make it a couple more hours. Like if I can make it, if I can make it to tonight and go to sleep that'll, you know, like tomorrow's a new day and I'll at least get that little reprieve from whatever bullshit was going on. So in that period, I mean, it got it got pretty bad. And, uh, but I, I literally would hear his voice in my head screaming like, don't accept, don't accept. Or like, you know, like make space. I mean, that's what jiu-jitsu is about. Like right. you're in a bad position, you make a little bit of space and you try to convert that little bit of space you made into a better position. So right. That stuff like helped me get through. It, it was probably the worst thing that I've had, like the worst time in my entire life, like the worst shit I ever went through. And solely like the the life, solely the principles of jujitsu that I I basically translated into my personal life helped me get through that. Yeah. I mean, I literally would hear his voice in my head screaming, "Don't accept, don't accept." Right. I don't know if I got a little off track there. (laughs) No, no, that. But that's you know, um, I I've never been into like the whole competition scene. It's just it's not my thing. Like, and I think that was because of of what I felt the first time I tried jujitsu. For me, jujitsu is um, it was strictly survival and life. Right. You know, like there's there was a strong correlation there for me. It was never. I understand the, the you know, that people like to compete. People like to push themselves. I'm not, you know, like saying anything negative about that. That's, you know, if that's people's thing, that's their thing. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, that's, it was more, um, it was more personal and life.
0: Uh, right, skills almost. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We talk about that too, like it, how it seeps into everything. You know what I mean? You do it so much and it has such a dramatic, dramatic, uh, dramatic effect on your life that, that you can't help but have it seep in everything else. We talked about that the first time. Oh, like When I started jiu-jitsu, I started with Jim, which is our academy now. And I can remember, And it, I mean, it's, a little, and it's, it's definitely helped me in my personal life as far as like dealing with things. And, and I mean, this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for jiu-jitsu just because of all the amazing people I've met and the opportunities that have come up, but just even my diet, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I I'm sick of throwing up at jiu-jitsu. I need to eat something better. You know? Yeah. So and it, I think it also it, it fostered my curiosity a lot. You know what I mean? Like I competed a, a bunch when I was a, a blue belt and a purple belt, and then I like at the beginning of purple belt, and then my whole purple belt and brown belt career, I didn't compete, and then I competed once uh, last summer as a black belt just to kind of you know get out of my comfort zone or whatever, but. It wasn't the same thing. It was like it was more uh life centered. Right. Like it was it was you know, if I you could go in there so angry and so mad and having the worst day ever and you leave the happiest guy in the entire world, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's kinda what it was for me and then uh you know, but I, I think now at this point too is like I don't really compete, A because I've I've I feel like I, I don't need to, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, but it's almost like jujitsu is, is, is um it's fostering my curiosity about everything else. You know yeah. what I mean? We talk about um like there's so many things because of jujitsu I want to learn to do beyond that beyond jujitsu, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's almost like I go to jujitsu to, to work out and, and mentally the other things in my life so that I have mental space cram other things in my head, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Which is which is funny. Like and I was talking to uh, one of our blue belts at the academy and he's like I dare you and it's funny now because and that's kind of the correlation between skateboarding and jujitsu I think too is he's like I dare you to find a black belt who isn't naturally curious. You can't make it as far as black belt without being naturally curious about things because you can't be single-minded. You know, you got to be open to all these different techniques and yeah. o- open to the ways to do things and things like that. And I think that also has seeped into other parts of my life. You know, I was so singularly focused on jiu for so long, and now I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to do this, and I want to learn how to do this, and I want to learn how to do this, you know? So I think it's, it's just a, a healthy <laughs> thing to, to engage in, not just even for the jujitsu aspects and the, the, the survival aspect. Yeah,
2: and I think that... Um I think. I think a lot of jujitsu instructors don't realize the the magnitude of the impact that just like that just you bringing or I'll use Jared as an example just that chance meeting of of Jared that day when I was sitting at a red light and I literally just happened he didn't even see me he didn't yell to me or I, if I didn't look to my left I I may have never trained jujitsu I, right. I may have never even gotten involved with it. But, but just the the act of him introducing me to jujitsu, the impact that that's had on my life outside of, you know, because I'm not in the competitions and stuff like that. I mean, that that's not even to me. That's not even a dynamic of jujitsu in my in my heart. Right is is the whole competition scene. But, you know, I I don't know if he 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 will never understand or or be aware of of how fully um, impactful that like him bringing me into jujitsu was in my life, you know, I, I thanked him a million times and, you know, I've talked to him through that, through that bad period and, and, you know, told him, you know, <clears throat> how a lot of that stuff impacted me and helped me get through like that, that rough patch in my life. But, um, you know, that there's, there's, there's a lot of dynamics to, uh, to jujitsu aside from learning a technique or submitting somebody or, you know, getting gold medals. It's for me, you know, it's great. People were world champions and you have like, whatever you got 42 gold medals, you know, Mm -hmm. last year, but, but you may have a student that, that, you know, didn't kill himself when, when he really, you know, maybe not necessarily wanted to die, but wanted to end the, the pain that he was feeling. And, and that was the only way he could think to just stop the pain. Like not that, you know, not that he necessarily wanted to die, but he just wanted the pain to end that right. he couldn't deal with day to day. And, and you teaching him jujitsu, you know, may have saved him from doing that. Right. Do you guys So it's like, where's your, you know, like it, it's a different, it's a completely different mindset and a completely different set of priorities. Right. Um, but, but that is an aspect of, of bringing jujitsu to people. You know, and I think it's one that's not really thought about that often.
0: Well, I think it's funny. I mean, we can touch on whatever you want to talk about, but I need yeah. to mention this is like Roberto just had his um, Roberto. I got my black belt from Roberto Maya at Boston BAJ, and that's where Kenny started, and that's kind of where I got introduced to Jared in the beginning. But um, I remember him like it was his 25th anniversary, and he stood up there and he kind of looked around and and shrugged, and he's like, "You can't stop it." Like you just can't stop what jujitsu does where it grows, it's gonna grow on its own, it's gonna do what it wants. The academy grows in a certain direction. There's no forcing the culture in a certain direction. It's gonna go in that certain culture and you know, and you know, one hundred percent disclosure, you know I don't and, and George and Jay, the guys who are, you know, solely responsible for the academy being there, but you know, we have a lot of instructors that help out. We don't make any money off that place. You know what I mean? I I get, you know, hundreds (coughs) of dollars a month to teach jujitsu, and it really just covers my gas to get there or whatever. And, you know, we do it for, you know, tax reasons and things like that. But, you know, but the fun, I mean, and it has, the money has gone away, and I would just continue to do it because of those guys. You know, we've had guys that come, you know, they lost their job, and, you know, they didn't, you know... It was a real turbulent time in life and they've said to me you know like if it wasn't for jujitsu, i'd be making really bad decisions right now yeah and i'm like that's you know yeah,
1: that that has like a, a complete relation to what i was going to ask you guys is is um i mean I, I know you can do all kinds of activities that can't that 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 make that distract you on what your daily life with uh, shit that's going wrong like like your ex-wife cheating on you, your kids are bastards or something like that. Like, But if you, you're you doing these activities that will distract you from something, jujitsu takes that distraction to an entirely different level because it becomes a, a, a fight or flight um, mentality where it's it's like you, you may not be like in this life or death struggle, but you're, I mean, it, there's like an intimate um, relationship with like, just like you your mind is not on all the bullshit that's happening with your life your mind is like what you're doing what your next move is and you think that's like that's a good correlation between jiu and and what you guys are kind of getting at is is like you're in the moment there there's there's nothing else that's happening
2: i mean I, sometimes that fight or flight thing is just you're having the shittiest day and you know uh and either mentally or physically or you may have those other issues going on in your life and and you the last thing on your mind is is the desire to go to class and and train because you feel like shit mentally physically emotionally whatever it is sometimes just the act of saying you know what I I am going to go and just, and and walking into the walking into class when you when it's the last thing you want to do is Sometimes that's the greatest victory of your day. Right. So <clears> the
0: hard, so it it is getting guys. there. Yeah. yeah, get walking through the door. Sometimes the hardest part. Yeah, And then once you're there, it's easy. You know and you I mean? know what?
2: If you end up getting your ass kicked or whatever it is, you're you're better. You're better that day for having gone. Right. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. It's um. And I think more than anything, more than like that. That we talk about. I talked about with Elliot a little bit about um that flow state you get in because you can't think about. And you're not even really thinking about jujitsu when you're doing jujitsu. I mean, you are, but it's like. You're not thinking about what's going on right now. You're thinking about where you want to go to. I've heard, I know that um, you know, you play a little bit of guitar and uh, you know, you're in the punk rock scene. I don't know if you have any musical experience, but someone explained it to me one time about playing the guitars, guitars. You're not thinking about where you are. You're thinking about where you're going in the next notes, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how jujitsu is too. You're not thinking about this particular situation you're thinking about all right i have this he might turn here and go so i gotta go this way he might turn here and i gotta go this way or he might put his hand here so this is open so you're not it's you're always there's no restful mind you know what i mean one of the uh a a music lyric that i always uh remember like it it struck me because it's kind of goes along with what we're talking about in jujitsu is you know um with silence comes mental violence and there's no silent mind in jiu You know what I mean? You're not, you, it's always your, it's, those wheels got to be spinning. You know what I mean? Because it, it's, it's act and react the whole time. You know what I mean? And then beyond that, I think it's the community because you can't do jiu-jitsu by yourself. Right. You need someone else there. And, and, yeah. And we talked about, um. I forget who we were talking about, who I was talking to this about, but it's like, um, it's my honor to get my ass kicked you know I mean? because I owe it to my training partner to give them the best role that I could possibly give them. You know what I mean? Like that's there's nothing worse than I'm a training partner who's not trying. It's, yeah, it's, it's terrible. So you know what I mean? So like you can go in with that aspect too. Is like, you know what? I'm having a terrible day. I don't want to go. I'm you know I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Go for that other guy. Go for the guy that needs you to be there so he can get a good training session in because maybe he is going to compete or maybe he's got a fight coming up or maybe he's having a bad day and he just needs to get that 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 anguish out of his soul. You know what I mean? You yeah. need, you go for the next guy and the guy that you're training with as much as you go for yourself. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're... We were talking, talking earlier about um, kind of the different ways that it affects you and maybe you as another student, you know, how maybe the instructor doesn't realize the magnitude of, of what they're doing for you. But I, I mean, same thing too, as a student, like you don't, you may be the, the thing that day in class or the person that day in class that, that got your, the, whoever you might be training with through that day. right? You know, right. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it it gets pretty deep if you, if you really break it down like that right? and, and don't think about it in the sense of, you know, uh, championships and medals and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's uh it's pretty deep you know
0: well and and you can flip that too is you know and i mean we can touch on how i know you've affected jared's life but um you can flip it as you you know you may be the student that goes in that doesn't want to be there and and it's it's funny because now i'm correlating all these things that we've already talked about but you may be the student that you don't want to be there, you know what I mean, or, or you're not sure you want to go. Or you don't feel great, whatever. But you may be the student that makes that instructor's day too. You know what I mean. You may come in feeling like a sorry, sad sack of shit when you come in, and you leave happy, and that instructor feels like they they, they gave that instructor purpose that day. You know what I mean. I feel yeah. like that a lot. I mean, I, I
1: I've definitely, <laughs> I've, I've definitely been there a bunch of times, right, where I mean, somebody's having a bad day. And, and, it, and they leave happy right
0: and that's that's as far as being an instructor goes is is the ultimate you know um i we did promotions recently and i wasn't lying i stood up there and told those guys you know i feel like i was put on this earth to teach jujitsu you know that's what i'm here for that's my purpose in life and that's what jujitsu has given me is that purpose and there would be no purpose if those students didn't show up yeah you know what i mean so it's just like you and we're taking the human element out of it you know you look at police officers and a lot of people take that human element out of the police officer and, and, and forget that they, they, you know, go home and they got to pay those bills and everything just like everybody else. Well, you know what? Your instructor is human too. You know what I mean? You, you may think in the back of your mind, oh, they're going to be there no matter <clears> what, you know, they're going to, they they got to teach class. It doesn't matter who shows up to class. They're still going to do the same thing they're going to do. No, it's not like that. You know what I mean? I, if you come into class and there's you know the difference between. I mean, and it switches up. But the difference between a, a low energy student and a high energy student that wants to get in there and get to work, whatever, can totally change that dynamic of that two hours that you're training. You know, so it's it's it works both ways. It's a two way street between instructor and student. I feel.
2: Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm rest assured you you've you are the sole cause of somebody one of your students like surviving something. Right. That's. That's that's a reality of it, right? And if you haven't yet, you will be at right. some point, right? You know, and um I kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I I don't teach or anything. I I kind of mm-hmm. always feel like I, I feel like I will always be a student.
0: Do you do you have any interest in teaching any students? Um, you know, it's I would I would
2: like to, but my schedule and my work stuff is doesn't lend itself to me um to to me really being able to put the effort into it that right. I should. Um but I just my what jujitsu is for me is I feel like I'm always like I'm always going to be a student. You know right. what I mean? I, I wanna always be a student. Right. I don't want to feel like I don't want to feel like I like I got it. Right. You, you know got it. yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I just, I never want to feel like, all right, I, I figured it out, I got it. Right. You know, um, I want to be, uh, I'm in my 40s now, I want to be, you know, a 73-year-old coral belt right. <laughs> and still training. Right. You know what I mean? And learning and figuring out, you know, how to get out of things and how to get around things and how to get through things. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it's crazy. I... A buddy of mine, John, who I I think you were following his story, Um, he was uh, like one of my best friends um, from childhood. We grew up skateboarding together and stuff. And I later on in life in his uh, late 30s, I introduced him to jiu-jitsu and brought him into Jared's and he started training. He was a purple belt uh, he ended up kind of out of the blue getting diagnosed with leukemia and um passed away uh a little over a year later, but went through a bone marrow transplant and everything and and for sure uh he started like kind of like Facebook blogging his experience throughout yep. the entire thing and man he was the the most positive and and um like strong person I've ever seen go through an experience like that. And he told me it, it was it was because of jujitsu. Right. Like jujitsu got him um jujitsu got him through that strong. Right. You know, and and made him not give up and made him not accept the fact that he was sick. Like he wouldn't he would not um he would not give the cancer the satisfaction of making him sick right you know even though he knew he was he wouldn't he wouldn't accept it and right. he fought you know to the end with it right um and and it was solely because of jiu so if i was if i was able to have something to do with him being able to deal with that and and his family i mean his son trains and everything now and and uh I mean, that's an honor for me that just the fact that I introduced him to it right. and, and he was able to use jiu-jitsu to get through. I mean, he, he went through so much shit, chemo, uh, bone marrow transplant, complication after complication. And, you know, he's hooked up to the fucking, uh, hooked up to the machine and fucking walking laps around, uh, around the hospital floor that he was on. And he would not lay in the hospital bed. He wore his gee pants in the hospital every fucking day. Right. I'm not kidding you. Right. He wore ghee pants right. in the hospital. He would not lay in the bed unless he was sleeping. Right. And uh he would get on the bike and you know uh on the they put they brought an exercise bike cuz he he ended up being in the hospital for um extended periods of time uh, throughout the whole process and and he would you know like they they brought an exercise bike in and and he would get on the exercise bike and he's got fucking IVs and all kinds of shit hooked up to him and he just went through chemo and all and he's on there fucking you know pushing himself right the that's whole the um, that's whole impressive.
1: way yeah, yeah. So, i mean from what i understand right after you get chemo it's just like you feel terrible yeah but that's he he would
2: not accept it he would right. not accept it and he pushed like fucking hard right you know so you know, God. Who knows what that experience would have been with, for him if it, if he had never found jiu-jitsu. Right. It's you like know?
0: my my favorite quote of all time is, <laughs> "I'm leaving this world the same way I came in, kicking and screaming with someone else's blood on me." Uh-huh. And that's jujitsu. I like that. You know I mean? <laughs> I that's like that. that's jujitsu right there. You know, like I'm, you know, that don't accept thing is is huge. You know, you don't don't you can't accept sometimes. You know, and you just got to move on. And it's why I think Jared posted that he got buried in his gi too. You know. Yes. yes, which is like yep, the power of jujitsu, man. That's insane. It's it's strong stuff. It's funny.
2: Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it was funny because uh, <laughs> just like like we had to make sure like the the they tied his belt right and <laughs> right. all and like made sure like the left side the the left lapel was over the right lapel like right. It, you know we weren't gonna let it be right. be wrong. Right. I mean that's. He was a fucking warrior. Right. Even as a kid, he was he was the dude that he would not let anybody fuck with his friends. Like if we were all out doing something or hanging out and some jerk off came by and like wanted to pick a fight, he didn't care how big the person was, if there was a weapon involved, like he was going to fucking stand in front of everybody and he was going to fucking make that dude know right. that he was going that he was in a fight. Right. Like you might beat him, but you were gonna have to fucking right. fight him to the death. He would not give up. He right. would never give up. Right. So and that carried all like right. all the way through to the end.
0: Sounds like you had a little jujitsu ingrained in him before he even. Started. Yeah, I
2: remember this. Uh, <clears throat> this this kid came around and we were skateboarding or whatever, and the kid was running his mouth and wanted to, uh, uh, you know, wanted to fight somebody, and he ended up, you know, John fucking put it on him, and <laughs> there was a uh, <laughs> there was a sewer like a like a you know like a, a sewer on the street corner and they were fighting right next to that sewer he fucking pushed the kid down the sewer that's a fucking true story i was there when it happened <laughs> true story oh. but it, but it wasn't because he you know he was wanted to be a bully and but his mentality is like you're not going to fuck with my friends right and he that he made sure that dude never fucking that the thought of fucking what anybody John was friends with ever crossed that dude's mind again when he was done that fight.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: And we never saw that dude come around. <laughs> like he wouldn't come through that section of the neighborhood anymore. Like, right. You know, but, but that was John's personality. I Man, he protected everybody right. even back then.
1: Yeah. So. It's pretty amazing. Now Did you, uh, take, you grew up in the punk rock scene with, with him? Yes. Um, I, I, I've been to Philly a couple of times. I never, ever got to go down. What's that one? What's the one street that's just like everybody knows of is like, it's like this punk rock street where everybody hangs out South street. Yeah. Something like that. It's yeah. Like, it's it, just it, it's a
2: That's like a tourist, uh, tourist section. There used to be like a lot of punks and skins that hung on South street, but now it's just, uh, it's very touristy. It didn't used to be as touristy back in the day when we were kids. Um, but that's probably the street you're talking about. A lot of shops, a lot of restaurants, but there was like a big. Like punk scene kind of happening along and off of South Street.
1: Yeah, it's not there anymore.
2: Uh, not really. Most of those, most of the record shops and like the punk rock stores and stuff that you know, like sold all the T-shirts and stuff like that, where everybody would hang out in front of it, those places are gone. There's a couple clubs still around, but not many of them.
1: Yeah, it's, it 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 seems like I I grew up in the punk rock scene up up here, and for I mean for a long time it was like always going to the eldest Room um which is like this legendary bar in downtown portsmouth and there were shops you go to and record shops you can go to and it just it it seems like the punk rock scene is just slowly very slowly dying out and there's there's not that element isn't there anymore like there's still people like going around saying like oh yeah i listen to punk rock but it's just not the same anymore what do you think about that
2: no i agree it's uh it's it's definitely gotten watered down. I think it was a lot grimier back then. And by grimier, I I mean, uh, there, there was always, there was always like a, a sense of community in yeah. that, in that whole scene. Um, aside from the way people look, but, but once you get into it and you actually start to meet people that are in that scene, you realize that it's very, um, it's very family oriented in the sense of like that community of people that are in that scene, you know? Um, but it was definitely more grimy back then, and and uh, you know everything's everything's kind of washed over and polished, and now nowadays, yeah. there, there's still some there's still some good punk bands out there that are like that have like that old school feel to them. But it's 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 definitely not the way it used to be. There, there's not much nowadays that that I'm, I hear, and I'm like, God, oh, fucking, that's awesome. I want to you know I, I want to listen to that band, or I want to get some more stuff.
0: Before you leave, you said yeah. <laughs> What's that? Before we leave, we're going to set you up. There's some new stuff that's really right. good.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, it's it, it interests me that you went into police enforcement, like coming out of the punk rock scene, uh, because it it really could not be any. More of the other side of the coin. Well, even skateboarding it too. Like, you know what I mean? It's like,
0: skateboarding, yeah. got hassled by the cops. You know, what I thought the thing was like, how did that happen? You know? So yeah. I,
2: I actually got stopped. uh I was skating Love Park, which is right now the city of Philadelphia is fucking destroying. um I think they already put fences up around it. Um, but Love Park was like that was that was the spot in Philly. I mean, I I grew up skate in there every single day. I mean, everything's marble. There's ledges everywhere. It was the perfect place to skateboard. Um, The surface, the marble surfaces like didn't wreck your board and everything slid, all the ledges, all the, all the, um, the edge of everything in there was just perfect for skateboarding. And um, you know, the city, when I was a kid, you didn't get kicked out. So we could skate Love Park across the street with city hall and the municipal building and there was, like, uh, stairs and handrails and ledges and stuff, and cops never bothered you. Like, I learned how to do handrails at, at the handrails at City Hall, and um, and then it got to the point where, like, the cops would chase you out of there. So um, fast forward, now I'm, I'm on the job, and I go down there at night, and I'm skating with some people, and I think Kerry Getz was there. Um, there was a bunch of other people, and you hear uh, some of the people know what I do, um, but but some of those guys, uh, like, know me to see me, like, have seen me around but don't really know me personally. Um, so we're skating, and it's at night, and, and the cops will, like, kind of try to ambush you in there. Like, they'll, they'll sneak up on you, and then they just, like, come in like gangbusters, and everybody's like, cops, cops, screaming, and everybody just scatters. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm, you know, like I'm a cop, like I'm not going to run from the police. Right. Um, only, because, <laughs> only because it makes me, not not because like, you know, hey, I'm a cop, you're not going to fuck with me type of thing. But, you know, I just, I'm not going to run from the police, you know. So <laughs> the cops come in and I end up knowing one of the guys um, from from work years before. And he recognizes me and he's like, so I pick my board up and I just start walking. You know, like I'm going to leave. I'm not going to stay there and skate if they don't want people to skate there. But I wasn't going to run from them, you know, because if they don't know who I am, like I'll end up getting fucking tased or something like fuck that. I'm not getting tased. So, uh, (laughs) so he looks at me and he smiles. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? I was like, dude, I'm a fucking skateboarder. (laughs) been doing it since I was a kid. And, uh, <laughs> he just started laughing. He goes, yeah, you know, we, we got to come through here every so often or whatever. He's like, the, everybody will probably come back, um, you know, after we pass through and usually you get like a couple hours or like every couple hours they'll come through. So it's like, uh, you skate the, basically, this is how the cycle worked. You skate, the cops come, you run. You go find a place to get coffee, something to eat, chill. So they used to call it skate, run, chill, skate, run, chill. And that was the se- that was the cycle you would have to go through, the- right. <laughs> like throughout the day skating right. there. But luckily, in when in my heyday of skateboarding like before I had you know like a family and, and, a, and a mortgage and all that shit and I was skate, skating all day like I would leave my house at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and wouldn't come home until after midnight and we'd be at Love Park all day the cops didn't bother you so we literally could skate there all day without having to worry about getting chased by cops it was only after I had gotten older and went back that that, that was an issue um, but they recently uh, they're doing something to it I think they're like taking the whole thing apart now and they put fences up around it and like dudes are flying in this is like within the last couple of weeks dudes are flying in from california and shit there's uh they call it the love gap so the way love park is set up there's a fountain in the center of it and when you walk in off the street you're in an upper level of it and as you go towards the fountain it drops down there's like uh i think it's four ledges going down before you get into the base of the fountain so when the fountain's empty like dudes charge on that top level and do tricks like off the over the ledges and land in the fountain when it's empty. All right. And it's like it's one of the most famous uh, gaps in in skateboarding. So dudes are flying in from all over, like trying to get tricks over that gap before, you know, f- before Philly uh, City administration puts fences around it. Yeah, Anybody
0: who's ever played Tony Hawk. Any of
2: those. It's in all of the Tony Hawks. Yeah. that gap. Or the other thing, is the other... Uh... If you YouTube search uh, Love Park Gap Skateboarding and watch all the crazy shit that people have done done but that, I'm it's an, in, it's insane. The number of hours
0: people have put in in video games, gapping that in video games. It's like, that's what you do is you go to Love
2: Park and do the gap. If you look at that, if you're standing at the top of that in person, you have to go like 90 miles an hour to get to clear all those ledges. Right. It's insane. Well, I've, n- I've never even tried it. Well, you know? that's like
0: the other iconic thing about Philadelphia in every, like you skateboarding is Love Park and FDR. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, FDR was one of those things when you were a kid and you skateboard and you're like, that was the craziest shit ever. Cause underneath that bridge, you know, all concrete. Yeah. Like, it's
2: insane now. I mean, it's, it's mostly like, uh, mostly like vert and transition stuff. They, they have a couple little street things now off to the side, but like they just poured, I think they just poured like two or three new bowls in the last six months there. And it's all maintained by, like, the, the FDR locals and, you know, right. like, they get the concrete trucks and, you know, people donate concrete and money, you know, for beers and food and stuff. They'll barbecue and, and have beers out there while the concrete trucks are pouring and the guys are smooth and the transition's out and all right. that stuff. It's it's amazing going down there and seeing it. I mean, it's it's enormous. Right. There's so much shit there.
0: Right. I think that's funny. I, uh, used to be really into the Volkswagen scene when I was a kid. uh uh-huh. And, uh got some friends from philly and i think we were there for i figure it was like a toys for tart run or something like that
2: was it the mk1 madness i can't remember it's probably that i one of my buddies i think runs that right yeah it's the mk1 madness yeah or yeah
0: yeah and i i can't remember i don't know if it was the year we went or not but some kid got shot in the foot while we were standing there that's not good and we were like oh we should probably stop this you know what i mean but uh yeah, I've only been there once and it was like it was you gotta, you gotta come back
2: you gotta come back down. Oh.
0: That's crazy. What? We're just looking at some guy at night hitting the gap. Who is that?
1: Ah, I don't know. It's just like a compilation of uh, people hitting glove Gap yeah, over and over again. It's like oh my goodness,
2: look at this. It's so enormous and when you see it in person. Like watching it on video doesn't do justice of how, how He's far in that the is. Air for like, what? Bam.
0: Uh, like that's Jamie, like Jamie Thomas cool That's awesome Yeah
2: like dudes will fly From other parts of the world Look, look gets, gets is. a legend
0: Yeah That's
1: crazy That's awesome
0: Plus that's not gonna this end well This guy
2: airwalks it Oh man Donna Bianca
0: That was sick That's not gonna end well If you fuck that up Chris Cole destroyed that thing I just watched uh, Have you seen his His Netflix documentary Yes, I'm actually closer. in the second one. Oh, really?
2: Yeah, I make a, there's a there's like a shot where they're they're doing something else, and uh, I went. Chris does uh, every year. Um, the Police Athletic League has a group of kids that skateboard, and he does a thing with the Police Athletic League where uh, he takes the kids up to Camp Woodward right. for for I think it's like four days. Yeah, um, and then he also for kids that aren't part of the Police Athletic League program they have a contest and the top like three or four kids in that contest also go on the trip. So I was able, I, I was asked to, um, be a part of it last year. And, uh, I happened to be up in that area anyway for work doing some training stuff. So I left the training where we were doing training and drove up there. So I was there for like the the last two days of it. And, uh, Chris and all the guys from rain skates and, and skip and, um, all those guys were, up there and like all the kids got new boards and he he basically does it for kids that that normally wouldn't have the opportunity or the funds to to go up and stay there and skate I mean the place is enormous you could be there for a couple days and not hit everything there's so much shit up there right so it was cool to be a part of that and uh you know I was able to skate with them Tom Asta was up there um everybody was super cool and you know we were hanging out and they were like and they have like a sound studio so like uh Chris Dave Matty Peebs all the, they were all like you know they all got on the instruments and started playing and you know I'm sitting there like drinking a beer watching them jam and stuff everybody was super cool and you know those guys are just
0: aces yeah that, that, that Chris awesome. Cole. Yeah, that chris cole Have you seen the chris cole documentary on netflix no
3: but the the
2: you second one see. the motivation too there was uh they they shot some footage from the contest that they did right. um for the for the extra kids to go to the trip and yeah. i was one of the judges for the contest so i'm in a couple of the shots so oh, it was nice. pretty cool yeah
0: that's awesome yeah, you should watch it to it's check good. that out yeah, it's good especially if you're i mean you don't even have to be a fan of skateboarding like and not really know the intricacies of the community or whatever and that chris cole documentary is awesome yeah,
2: I remember him when um like I know him if if we see each other like he'll recognize me because I was on that thing or whatever and we have a lot of mutual friends. Um but like I you know I don't hang out with him on a regular basis or anything like that, but uh I I remember him from when he was younger just showing up and and destroying, you know, spots and just he's like his style, the ease in which he does everything is it was amazing, and then he ended up turning pro later on, and, and the fact that he's still around and still, like, on top of the game is right. is really cool.
0: So how do you feel about – it's interesting because we talk about – like I said, we talk about kind of um, immersed in the jiu-jitsu scene like, and and kind of being new to the CrossFit scene, and without a doubt those guys in jiu-jitsu and CrossFit are elite athletes. You know, they, they – we talk about <coughs> I'm really into um, – Obscure greatness. Like, I love people who, you know, you're not going to be famous for this. You're not going to make a ton of money. But you're, you're doing it for the passion. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about this guy that um, I really admire. His name's Matt Vincent. But he's the number one Highland Games athlete in the world. So he, like, throws the telephone pole yeah. and stuff. But, like, he's not going to I mean, you don't know who he is. No one. You could walk into this room right now and be like, Oh, it's some big guy who fucking, you know, like... Got tattoos and seems like a normal guy, whatever, but he's, he kills himself every day trying to be the best at that. Uh-huh. You know I mean, and you could have, you know, name the best jiu-jitsu guy walk in here. And he is, you know, if you didn't do jiu-jitsu, you like, you're some guy, you know, yeah. some, some Brazilian guy. you know. Uh-huh. Same thing with like a, the high-level CrossFit athlete. He walks in, you know, like, oh, you look like you're in good shape, you know what I mean? But, you know, you're doing all these crazy things. How do you, so, and going along with that is, is that skateboarding thing you know adds to that too is like how do you feel about like the the state of skateboarding as far as like that stuff goes you know I mean, you obviously grew up with these guys and and i feel like for a long time you know the heyday of the tony hawk pro skater you know they're all making a lot of really good money skateboarding now and i feel like it's kind of come full circle almost a little bit like you're not they're not as i mean maybe i'm just out of the loop a little bit but i seem like it's not like such a prominent thing in pop culture anymore, like it's kinda gone away. It's kinda taken a back seat to maybe some other things or I don't know, but I can mean I can remember skating, you know, and, and uh like PJ Ladd was like a Boston yeah. guy. So we'd go like skate in Boston and he'd be there all the time, you know what I mean? That dude like, fucking kills it. Right. I've seen him freak out so many times. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he seems like he I I never met him before, but right. he seems
2: like a guy that, that kind of wants to stay out of the limelight. Right. Um, I mean there's a lot of money in skateboarding for sure like you know Nike is a huge sponsor I mean there's guys on Nike that are probably making millions of dollars a year you know like 18 19 20 21 year old kids and um so there's still money in it uh, especially with like Street League uh, coming right. out that's that that big competition series now that uh that Rob Durdeck started um but when 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 I first started and kind of in my heyday was in the like the mid to late 80s Um, there was there was no money in skateboarding like people weren't making a living off of it and now there's you know people that are there's teenagers and people in their 20s that are millionaires just because of skateboarding right you know I mean I I, I'm down with it right you know Fuck it, right? I mean that shit's insane that they're doing you right. know like they're destroying themselves yeah
1: and, and just the
2: skill level is amazing that they're able to that, they're, I think that they fa- have the precision right. and the, the precision to do that stuff
0: but I think it's also fascinating too is like you know there's some pro skateboarders now and it could be because like again I'm getting a little older and I know the old school guys and stuff like that but like some you know unless you're on the street league and I can watch you on ESPN too you might be a sponsored skateboarder making a million dollars walk in here and I'd be like yeah. I don't know who you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's fascinating and like like you said, they fly into Philadelphia to to hit that one spot. You know what I mean? You can you can go it's not like you have to go to an arena to see them do that thing. Right. You know what I mean? You no,
2: know? like they're they're trying to get a um they're they're trying to get a bunch of the old school love park guys to get together and just fucking storm that place one day soon where like everybody's just gonna try to get insane shit down there and, and get some footage of it before it's completely gone. Right. Um, it's it's in the works. It's like, you know, every, people are like
0: networking right. to posse up and, and go Send down the there. smoke and, signals. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, they're, it, it's crazy. And there's a lot of people out there that just kill it and, and don't want to be part of the whole industry of it. Like I have a buddy um, named Adam Crawford that's one of the most gifted skateboarders I've ever seen in my life. And I've known him since he was, uh, I don't know, probably 11, 12 years old. I actually remember him when he was a little kid, and uh, he rode for the, the same shop that Bam ended up riding for when he, when Bam first got sponsored, Fairman's, and uh, Adam's one of the best skateboarders I've ever seen, and he could literally put, like, not step on a skateboard for years and give him a board, and he'll fucking kill everything first try like, he never stepped off of it and right. never wanted anything to do. I mean, he could have been pro at fucking 12, 13, 14 years old. Easy. Right. And, and you know, he just wasn't into the whole... Um, the whole uh, business, you know, like the industry right. of it. And there's tons of people out there like that 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 just fucking kill it just right. for the sake of doing it, you well, know? I
0: feel like that's the same thing kind of with jujitsu, too. Yeah. I mean, that's another crossover culture thing is... You know, there it's, I mean, I've gone, we went to San Diego two years ago, you know, I I trained down in Boston and they always bring people in and sometimes like, I mean, I can name a million guys right now that never won anything in their entire life and I can be like, that guy will beat the best guy in the world. You know what I mean? And he just doesn't care to go take that route, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's funny that, you know, and I think that's what I'm drawn to jujitsu and I'm drawn to, uh. You know, even the CrossFit aspect of things and and skateboarding and, and now is is I'm re my interest talking about all this stuff is the that just the passion for it. You know, you do yeah. it, you do it for passion, not for the money and the fame. You know, yeah, which is it's, it's that's gnarly. Yeah,
2: I mean, like you know, training. You're having a shitty day or whatever, and you go train and you kind of like beat it out of you. Um, and skateboarding's the same way. Like, you know, I could just go out and roll around and like ollie manhole covers and you know uh whatever skate to the fucking mailbox and to mail my bills and it's a couple blocks away from the house and you know like i'll do a little shit on the way and that will make me happy the rest of the day just right. the fact that i was able to get out and roll around for like an hour or half hour or a couple hours or whatever
0: do you think uh i mean it's like a
2: cleansing process right. almost
0: well like now that i'm thinking about it too is kind of what we talked about is that that flow is skateboarding too you know and i mean like it might be the one thing i feel like you get into that flow state faster than you do even with jujitsu. You know what I mean? Because you're not looking at like what's right in front of you. You're looking at what's coming up down the road. You know? Yeah. It's, it's very metaphorical for life almost too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. When I mean I, I do it. Like I'm I, I'm going to mail I got a, there's a couple little things to hit between my house and the mailbox where I mail my bills at. So I'm looking up like, oh, there's a manhole cover coming up. There's a little crack. There's a bump, you know, like up here, there's there's this curve. There's a parking block. If I cut through the you know, uh cut through the one parking lot. There's a little there's a, a nice big smooth speed bump that you can like pop off of and so I'm looking ahead like and, and like planning like when I get there this is what I'm gonna do. Right. And uh it's cool. And and even even uh the sound of a skateboard hitting the ground, the sound of like skateboard wheels touching the ground, the sound of like the tail popping on concrete, um, the sound of decks banging together in like a skate shop when when like they're when you're like i want to see that deck and they take it off the rack and it's like yeah yeah, and it just and it and you you hear the you hear the one deck like hit off of the deck below it just that sound of the wood clanging together um all that stuff just fucking makes me feel good right you know and the feeling uh, the feeling of of having the board under my feet and rolling or like just you know like popping a little ollie or or uh you know, whatever is, is awesome. Just the sound of the sound and the feeling of the whole thing. And it's the same thing in jujitsu. Like, you know, I walk in the school and the fucking way the school smells, like right. as soon as I walk right, in, yeah. it's, it's like, that's familiar and comforting to me, right. you know?
0: But like, that's like funny. Like my wife tried to change fucking laundry soap on me. And I'm like you can't fucking do that like that's like that laundry soap is the soap that I smell on my gi when I'm doing jujitsu. you can't fucking change <laughs> yeah. that you know what I mean so it's like familiar stuff like that yeah. but it's the same thing like I mean you can attest to this like walking into a CrossFit gym you know what I mean like or like forget even CrossFit lifting weights like doing like heavy barbell stuff you know what I mean like it sounds so fucking cheesy like to cause it's, it's almost worlds apart as far as Skateboarding and lifting weights, you know what I mean. As far as culturally, you know uh-huh. what I mean. Like, but you know, you walk in there and you see like the the sound, the way a barbell makes when you put a weight on it and spin it. You, yeah. know what I mean? you hear those ball bearings in the the collar spinning, or like when yeah. you when you're popping it off your chest, you can hear the collars clang. Or the fact that you put chalk on your hands and your hands are all calloused and chewed up from that barbell, and you got chalk on your hands. It's almost like I don't feel dirty. Yeah, after holding that piece of steel with chalk over my hands, you know what I mean. Uh It's like
1: one of of my favorite sounds is is definitely putting on Olympic Olympic weights. It's like it's like that metal on metal, yeah, Yeah. and
2: and that little clap that it makes when it touches, you know, the other plate that's on there. Yeah,
0: When when you drop it from high, you know what I mean. Kind of, you can you can like I could not be even watching someone like lift weights and if they're dropping something from overhead, you can tell it was lightweight or heavyweight. Yeah. By the way, it's like either a big thud or you can hear it bounce or whatever. And it's just like, it's, it's funny how those rituals become comforting. And when you're not in that ritual every day, you just don't really, you don't, you're not aware of what's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny.
1: I mean, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing like the sound of like a skateboard truck on tile. It's just like that clack 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 clack, and yeah. you come back down like when you're riding bowls. Uh-huh. I miss that sound so much. Or even like I haven't been there in a long time. That, but. The, the you sound, should go out. Um, yeah.
2: I have two boards in the trunk of my car right now. <laughs> I can leave one with you.
0: But uh, that that sound, uh, even skateboard wheels on a, on fucking on shitty fucking tar. That
2: yeah that, yeah. Like, I'm it's, telling
0: it's, you, I could it's not soothing
2: like you said. Like not looking at it, I could. I could hear that I could hear the sound of somebody putting their, dropping their board on the ground and instantly know what it is. I could hear um you know like somebody I I could hear somebody Ollie and the sound of their tail clicking off of the the concrete is is very distinctive to me. All right. And I instantly know what it is. All right. You know.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's so. Yeah,
2: it's all in my head right now. <laughs> it's, you got to get back hair. out. I'm telling you, you got to get back out there. And the, the cool thing about it is now, um, I got out of it for for um, quite a while because you know, like I got married, I had kids, I you know I was working, I was doing all that stuff, and I just didn't have time for it. But now that my kids are older, um, and I got back into it, there's like we have a whole crew of like older guys that have families and stuff, and we'll meet, you know, like. We we got to get out and skate for a couple hours and be back by twelve one o'clock in the afternoon because families are, you know, doing right, right. this and that. So we'll all, like, meet up, like, hey, we're going to meet here, and everybody shows up, and we skate, and, like, we're filming, like, filming, you know, getting footage, and there's guys with cameras, and they'll put, like, little edits together of, of everybody. And, like, I'm not doing anything crazy these days, Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fun. Right. Like, you just get out for an hour and a half, two hours, and... And uh, and just like kind of cleanse yourself, right? You know,
0: I mean, I feel like that's the same. Like, I mean, granted, he is doing some crazy shit, but like, I think some of like the best stuff I've seen skateboarding is not complicated stuff. You know what I mean? I think and I feel like that's the same way with jujitsu too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know Jared. It's funny. He's uh, he's tough as nails. He's tough as it, as it comes. You know, and he's got that t shirt that says we don't flow roll yeah <laughs> but sometimes some of the most beautiful jiu-jitsu i've seen is flow rolling you know what i mean like just kind of like working through those transitions and and, and moving around or whatever and i feel like it's kind of the same way with skateboarding you know you can watch someone skateboard and like just you know pump through some transitions and uh-huh. and, and things like that and that's well, some it's like
1: that saying like doing the common uncommonly well right right yeah, yeah.
0: you know and like kind of flowing you know what yeah, I yeah mean?
2: like you watch um uh, you watch somebody like somebody like Bob Burnquist on like skate and vert. I mean, right. the guy's amazing. He's got so much talent. He's one of the most talented vert skaters in the world. And he's got all this technical shit. But watch him, and then watch like Grayson Fletcher skate. And Grayson and Fletcher's real technical and can do all kinds of crazy shit. But but Grayson Fletcher flows. Like he's surfing, and, right. he's, and the guy's fucking amazing. I mean, he goes like, you know, a thousand feet in the air, and and you know, like do like a fucking one foot tail grab, and and it looks amazing. And and he's skating super fast, but it, it's a totally different, right. Like Grayson's definitely more flowing, uh, like a, a more flowing style than like Burnquist is, right? You know, and right. it's just amazing. What and like seeing it in person is insane. Right. You can keep talking. It, there's some
0: snow. Hit somebody's car, at yours? Just give me okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Only in New Hampshire. Does, it, <laughs> does the snow fall off the trees and set your car alarm off? <laughs> uh,
1: what you were just saying made me, made me think about, um, I don't remember what video it was when I was growing up, um, watching snowboarding. I watched a lot of snowboarding videos and snowboarded, I mean, being from the Northeast. Um, and they talked about uh, Terry J. Hackinson, like, early on and there was it was at the time where Terje hackinson was still snowboarding and there was all these up-and-coming guys and they were doing just ridiculous amounts of spins and twists and flips and all that stuff and and being like super technical but you get back to J. hackinson and like yeah that's great that that guy can do that stuff but have you seen him do just a a simple 360 because it's like one of the most beautiful things. You just watch him do like such a simple movement yeah. and like, and it, it's like effortless and just smooth. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, in, in skateboarding, sometimes I'll see like younger kids at the park or whatever, and they'll do like, uh, you know, they're doing like switch hard flips and, and, uh, you know, like all this real super technical stuff, but they can't like 50, 50, a, a ledge or they can't like, board slide a ledge you know like real basic stuff you know um it's just it's insane but that but it's different styles like you said some some of the some people want to get like super technical and some people want to have really strong foundation and and really strong basics
0: so do, you, do i guess that's another st- a question about kind of jiu-jitsu and, and skateboarding philosophy is like you know we talk about like it's always a joke you know you can, a white belt can bear on bolo but he can't armbar from the clothes guard you know what I mean you need you need you shouldn't skip over those those basics of jujitsu do you feel like you know those kids need to go back and learn those things or do you think that it's it's more free form with skateboarding
2: no I I think you I think you have to have uh like good basics and and uh just for a foundation of every because everything builds off of the basics right you know um it's like uh like in skateboarding if you don't know how to ollie you're not going to be able to do half of that other shit like everything is built not everything but a, a lot a lot of tricks in skateboarding are built from ollieing. right you know so if you don't know how to ollie you're not going to be able to do half of that shit right um you know and it's same thing in jiu-jitsu like without those basic principles of like um you know like having a good base or uh, you know a frame and when you're in the guard or whatever it's uh you know, you're not gonna be able to you're not gonna be able to do those other things that are built from that. Right. You know.
0: Right. So many so many correlations. Yeah.
1: And that's what we're always talking
0: about is a correlation
1: between all these things. Yeah. And it's just it's it's amazing how many connections you can make with, right. with all this stuff. Right. Um So I can't help notice, heavily tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> how do you uh i mean ha- is that allowed in in the in the philly p d yeah yeah okay. I, mean, I
2: I'm sure they're not happy about it, but there's we don't have any rules
1: yeah i mean it. like i i know i think it's uh the state police force they're not allowed to have any visible tattoos whatsoever yeah. I you think know. that's changing
0: though even locally here just because the, the the kind of the state of the way things are going you know, well, i mean you're, you're running out of candidates yeah. at this point you know, I think that was the thing, too, was, um a lot of military, ex-military come home, and they're tattooed, you know what I mean? And those, yeah,
2: like, if you served your country, and you're, like, doing combat tours and you know, in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever, and you come back, and you have a fucking USMC tattoo on your forearm, like, that's not a big deal, but because it'll show in, in, in a short sleeve shirt, they right. won't hire you. Right. I don't see how it hasn't changed. Like, I don't see how there hasn't been class-action lawsuits filed about that. I mean... You know I understand tattoos don't look professional, um but the reality of it is tattoos are much more common place now than they ever were, right. yeah so it's not a big deal i mean you know i I actually had a guy uh i had a guy run from me one time. And it was a really good foot pursuit, and uh, I actually like commended him on. I I told him I said, "Dude, that was the best foot pursuit I've ever had with anybody." So like I shook his hand and everything, and we were like, <laughs> <laughs> but he I he was like, I honestly um, he goes, "I'm not lying. I I didn't think you were a real cop because of my tattoos." He said, "I've never seen a cop with that that much." Right. Like that heavily tattooed, and he's like, my first instinct was that it, that it wasn't real. So he's like, I got scared and rat. now I don't know how true it was, but, right. um, but yeah, it's. So far, we don't have any policies against it, and hopefully, it doesn't. Uh, I, I mean, that I th- doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm good, but it's going to fuck anybody else coming afterwards.
0: Right. I, I mean, I think it's changing. I mean, even in this, they're real strict. <laughs> I know they were real strict about it in this area for a long time, and I just saw a thing in the paper the other day how. Um, there's a lot of town police changing their policies right now.
1: Yeah. I know a couple of town guys that have that uh, I mean close to a full sleeve. Right. So right um, what got you into tattoos? Uh
2: some dude that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I, I saw it and I was like, man, that's fucking cool. And and uh <laughs> <Get right> under- <laughs>
0: dropping all his little
2: snow. I don't have these issues in Philly. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to New Hampshire. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. I just I thought it was I just thought it was cool and then um I honestly I, it's hard to explain why I keep getting tattooed. Um I think a lot of it has to do with um to me there's there's an attraction to not and and like people that know me, I mean, th- this might make sense to people that know me. Th- to, I really like not being what people think I am or what people think I should be. You know, like there, like that's the attraction to me. You know, like you're not supposed to. You're supposed to look normal. Right. And there's an attraction to me to not look normal. Or, you know, like I I do what I do for a living and. I like the fact that I don't look like that, you know.
0: You cross a lot of barriers for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm.
2: it's weird, but I think that's what's the biggest attraction for tattoos for me. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that 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 kind of premise is is the one of the sole sole reasons why I had like a foot high <laughs> mohawk, a yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, just like, like, I just didn't want to look normal. Yeah, it, I
2: don't want to be what you
1: what you think I should be. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, and a little, little bit of uh, a little bit of rebellion, probably. Yeah, involved yeah. in that. You said that your uh, your whole family was was PD, or or, or your your father was PD. Yeah, um, but he he
2: wasn't like uh, he he wasn't a dick about it. You know, like you know, I mean, he was a great father. He wasn't like one of the, he wasn't like a, he didn't have like that that police ego type um, personality. Um. <clears throat> And I never really got in trouble. Like I was pretty much, I, I did some stupid shit or whatever. That, okay, that, that, yeah. That, thank God, I never got caught for or whatever. But because I probably wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. But um, you know, like I never was out trying to hurt people or you know, trying to, you know, like destroy people's property and victimize people. I just, I, I wasn't that kind of kid. Um, but you know, it's. It, I, I definitely didn't get into it, um, like for like family tradition. You know, that fucking movie that did it. <laughs> <laughs> like people don't. Well, I tell people that's that that's the reason why I did it, and they don't believe me. That's literally the reason I did. I'm not even kidding right. it, because I like that movie, and I thought I was like that would be fucking fun to be a cop like
1: that. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch that movie pretty soon. And I soon. Ha- and,
2: and yeah, you got to watch it. a great it's a great movie. And um and like throughout the years I've had like uh like really crazy experiences and, like almost like in the movie where like they're in these like really fucking funny and crazy at the same time uh situations and so I've had so many of those. Well, I've been yeah, in so what? many of those situations. It's
1: You want to tell us about one? Like, oh, no, I, mean, I, I, I mean I
2: just I forget a lot of them. I I really I I have so many stories over the last uh 20 years that um that i don't even remember them all i
0: feel well i feel like i mean uh there's always like i remember he posted this picture one time on instagram whatever and it was like <laughs> this chain link fence falling down and like some buildings off in the background and like this marsh or whatever and you're like best foot chase i ever had was through this marsh <laughs> ruined a pair of sneakers or whatever like it's always like Something like on your on either your Facebook, or Instagram feed coming up like that, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. How do you feel about um? So
2: that was a bank robbery. <laughs> bank.
0: Robbery.
2: <laughs> and the fucking yeah, it was. Uh, I guess I'll tell the story real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the winter time. there was a really bad snowstorm and bank robbery, and I was I was fairly far away, and uh, I wasn't in a in a patrol car. I wasn't wearing a uniform or anything. And but I, w- I was working, and uh, so I figured you know like I'll just start fucking driving over there, and you know who knows what'll happen. You know, the guy ran. Uh, they said he ran towards this, towards this particular area. There was a shopping center, and said he was last seen running towards the rear of the shopping center. So it was a bad snowstorm. So the roads were bad. Like nothing was plowed. It was. I I really like took my time. I I might have done fifteen twenty miles an hour the entire drive over there. And it took me a while to get over there. And I, I pull behind the fucking shopping center, and there's no police cars there, and there's a fucking hole in the fence, and there's a big, like, marshy field. And on the other side of the marshy field, there's a, there's a neighborhood, and there's fucking a set of footprints <laughs> through <laughs> the fence and across the marshy field. I'm like, why is nobody—apparently right. <laughs> nobody saw this? Right. So another guy pulls up. And I'm like, we were talking for a couple minutes. I can't believe nobody fucking, there's footprints. Like, it's so easy. Let's follow the footprints. Right. So we go in and and it was like, it was wet. I had a a brand new pair of uh, Adidas Bousinitzes, which were like my favorite sneakers to skate in. They were brand new. And we just, we walked through and fucking, the guy had some distinctive clothing on and we come to follow the footprints. It's like. It's easy. Like, you don't even need to be a good cop today. <laughs> like, like, it's a fucking trail of crumbs. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, and, and we come to a fence line, and, and there's one of the distinctive things of clothing that the guy had on. At just he, he took it off and just left it there and then climbed the fence, and then the footprints pick up on the other side of the fence. is was, like, so easy. Right. And the guy ended up, the, the guy ended up getting caught. Uh, we caught him, uh, like, 10 minutes later in that neighborhood we were able to figure out like from the snow and the footprints and all that shit kind of like what house he went into and stuff and right. yeah it was like it was crazy but i was mad because because i ruined my sneakers <laughs> and my fucking legs were numb. my legs were numb i mean the, the snow and the water was like almost up to my knees and, right. and we were we were walking around yeah. in it for a couple hours and everything was numb from my knees down and but it was a cool story. So right. I I drove by and I saw it. And I was like, that's why I took the picture. I was like, oh, I remember this. That's funny. And I have stuff like that, like all over the city. Like I could just be randomly driving, like, ah, oh, I remember when this happened over here. Or I remember when
1: you know this happened over there, and it's just it's crazy. So I, it, I love hearing stories like that from right. from, from <laughs> cops. All the guys that come through um, my work, like a lot of them have just like completely effed up stories where there's just like it's head it's head scratching at the moment but but when they retell it they're like realizing how funny it is and how messed up the situation was right Um,
2: I, i had um just another kind of like random story i was i was a rookie um i think it was like the day after i was off probation like you're on probation for a period of time after you graduate so it was the day after I was off probation in the wintertime, we're walking footbeats, and um they were doing they were doing construction. So the construction uh the construction manager guy, we would always walk around. We where they were doing construction was was uh was on our beat that we walked and and it's good for them to have us there because you know, like we're checking, making sure like nobody's stealing shit right. out, off the job site and stuff. So he goes, Hey, it's wintertime, I know you guys are and we were walking at night and and it was a pretty bad area and uh so he goes he gives us a key to the trailer the construction trailer he goes anytime you guys want to go in there there's you know there's a heater there's a phone you know you guys can is, there's a bathroom in there whatever you guys need feel free to use it just lock it up so we were like cool you know so we're in there one day it's like ten thirty at night and we're all starving we had been walking around for hours and um we're all cold and shit and we go in and we order order a pizza and like you know deliver it to the construction place and we're eating the pizza and a call comes out for a lady in labor. Now and we're all brand new cops. <laughs> we're all brand new <coughs> lady in labor. And it's literally a block and a half from where we're sitting. So we're in the middle of eating a pizza. So we put you know, box put everything, close the box and run out of the trailer, we lock it and we run around there. And sure enough, like we're the first people there. It's me and another guy. And uh sure enough she's fucking <laughs> Like, in her car, the husband is in the driver's seat. Like, as soon as they got in the car, the baby started coming out. And the husband was, like, had a fucking death grip on the steering wheel. It was parked. They hadn't even gotten out of their parking spot yet. (laughs) And it's, like, it's like 15 degrees out, and it's, like, quarter to 11 at night. There's a trolley. Um, We ended up, the, the medics ended up showing up. Kind of in the middle of all this, but like there was a trolley coming and we had the trolley block. So the trolley is like literally next to this lady's car and we get there. The husband's got a death grip on the steering wheel and he's staring forward like almost like he's in a trance. He does not want to look over at what's happening in the passenger seat and uh and and i had never seen anything like that before and it was just like there was steam coming out like the whole inside of the car there was you know because the baby's coming out and it's fucking 15 degrees out right so steam and all that stuff and the, the lady's screaming and we're trying to keep her calm and and like it's weird we, we we get all this first day training and stuff like that but you don't think you're gonna be fucking delivering a baby and you know like right. it, <laughs> i was in shock but but it's funny, like, you're in that... That's kind of like a traumatic situation, right. but we instantly just kept doing... Like, we we did what we were supposed to do. Like, I, I think it was the right way. Um, so the baby comes out. Luckily, the medics were pulling up right as the baby was coming out. So the guy I was with actually took his coat off and used his coat to kind of, like, wrap the baby. And, uh, and still we look over. I mean, the, the husband was like... <laughs> it was almost <laughs> like... <laughs> It was almost like he was in a trance. Like, he was stiff as a board, death grip on the steering wheel, and just staring straight forward. And, um, the medics come up, and and they, you know, wrap the baby and do all that stuff. And there's, there's, like, uh, there's afterbirth, like, all over the front seat of the car, and steam coming out of the car, and the smell and everything. But, uh... So we get everything, you know, wrapped up, and we look up. Like we stand up from the car and we look up, and everybody on the trolley is standing up in their seats and looking in. Like they could see into the lady's car, so they witnessed the birth of this lady's kid. Right. And as soon as they saw the baby come out of the car, the whole trolley erupted and like applause. everybody was oh, clapping. And the trolley driver opened the door. He was like, "You guys are awesome." That's awesome. And we were like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" Like we want to go back and finish our pizza. <laughs> 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 but uh, it, it was crazy It was crazy and, and we were brand new It was just It was nuts Like I was not expecting To see something like that That early on In my police experience But it was cool You know
0: Well the cool thing was Instead of witnessing someone On their worst day of life You probably witnessed The best yeah, day of their life Yeah
2: And, and, and that's good too Like um, <clears throat> When When you help somebody and And you realize That you helped them and, and you realize that they appreciate it and they say, thank you. It's like, it, it, it means the world to, it does to me. I'm sure it does to everybody else. And now, especially with all the social media stuff, like quite a few times, uh, we'll have people come up to us and say, look, uh, you know, like, I just want to say thank you for, you know, doing what you do or whatever. That means a lot. <clears throat> you have instances where like we're sitting down and eating and we're waiting for the bill and, you know, we tell the waitress, can we get the bill? And she'll say, oh, the people that were sitting over there uh, took care of your bill. And they don't say anything. Like, they don't tell us, hey, you know, we're going to pay your bill. They just eat their food and pay their bill and they leave. And they're like, oh, the couple that was sitting, you know, over there paid for your bill, your whole bill. Right. And, and there might be like six of us sitting there. Like, right. They paid for the whole thing. And she goes, yeah. Right. So, that, like that stuff's cool. It's always good to get free. With yeah. all the negative, it's always good to get a free, meal. Itself, get a free meal. But right. <laughs> just the the sentiment behind it, you know, of of somebody going out of their way, especially with all the media um, that that seems like they want to demonize law enforcement. It's nice that people will, because of that, people will go out of their way to, to let you know, like, hey, we don't, we know, you know, we we know you guys are good, and we appreciate it, like. Uh, it's almost like you know. Don't listen to those assholes, right? That are that are talking shit about you. Like we got your back. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's a it's a cool feeling. Yeah.
1: It's amazing the stuff that you just you see, and it's like constantly on Facebook and other social media. I mean, people people like a lot of people know what I do, and and I've had people actually send me links to like cop block. And, and all these other things. Like, oh, and because you're so, like, you're, you're so pro-veteran, like, look at what this veteran... It's like, you're a dick. Like, yeah. why are you sending me this stuff? I mean, immediately, like, defriend them. But, I mean, there's all those sites out there that just want to be negative, 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 And it's, like, it's nice to see those those videos come apart, come around that are like, like, like this cop enters this... this black neighborhood, white cop enters black neighborhood, you won't believe what happens next. And all of a sudden, the white cop is, like, thrown down, playing, like, playing basketball and, like, yeah, just destroying these I saw that video. Kids. That was a cool, was a cool <laughs> video.
2: No, but that's what it's about. Like, you know, I would rather do stuff like that. Um, you know, like, talk to a little kid or, or uh, you know, some some random person would will just like strike up a conversation when they find out what you do and like I would rather sit there for an hour and a half and talk to that person than be chasing, you know, fucking drug dealers or you know, right. people with guns and right. you know what I mean? Or or you know, you show up to somebody's house and there's some you know what you think is something trivial that you may have handled, you know, 10 of that same situation earlier in the day but this 11th person it's happening to when you show up and it's not a big deal to you, but it's a, it's a big deal to them. So like spending the time to let them know that you're taking care of it, you're going to, you're going to handle whatever you can for them and you're going to tell them what they need to do next afterwards. And then, and, and to realize that, that they feel like you helped them. Like when you left, you felt like, uh, like, you know, that you helped them. Um, it's a good feeling.
0: So even, a police officer for 20 years now yeah so what do you how do you feel about the like what what strikes you as as the changes that have happened in in your career and, and kind of how do you feel about the state of of things now i know uh, i'm i guess I'm, I'm leading this in because uh jared was here <coughs> And we talked about a lot of stuff about him being a, a police officer and stuff like that, and I know that you're an, uh what i guess what I'm getting at is the the drug problem in this town or in this area has skyrocketed yeah. lately, and it's one of those things where like
1: yeah, we were all over the news the other day, right so like they're talking solely about New Hampshires right
0: right, and like uh we just Scott and I joked that uh we uh we just saw a study that the town that I live in has the highest crime rate in New Hampshire. Really? Yeah. And it's weird because, like, I don't feel like I'm in danger, but I also, you know, I do jujitsu, you know what I mean? I I, I have a permit to carry, uh-huh. you know, and when I go out, I'm walking my dog who's a German shepherd, you know what I mean? So I don't feel in, but, like, once you start reading between the lines, whatever, and I, I think that's definitely where that, that crime rate is coming from. I don't think it's violent crime, so per se, but it's 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 a, a narcotics problem, you know?
2: Yeah, it's drugs are everywhere. Like you guys are getting killed with uh the fentanyl, fentanyl laced heroin and right. and um stuff like that. We're also getting crushed with that right now. Right. I mean, it that hit us. Back in '96, for about a year, year and a half, and then it kind of went away. And the last couple of years, it's come back like pretty hard. Um, but it's it, it's everywhere. And it, and the thing that sucks about it is it seems like everybody's involved in it, right? Whether either using it or selling it or financing it. Um, it, it's it's everywhere. And the thing that the the thing that sucks for me is you know after being in law enforcement for so long, you you get to, um, you recognize things that the average person doesn't recognize, you know, in a situation like a person sitting in a car or certain behaviors or certain looks about people, um, you you recognize what's happening where the average person who's not used to saying that wouldn't, would walk right past that and not even think twice that anything bad was happening. Right. And when you get to that point, you see it everywhere, you know, because I've seen so much stuff, even if I'm not working, uh, if I'm out with my family or whatever, I'm, I'm constantly paying attention to everything that's happening and i see it everywhere right and it's it's kind of it, it kind of sucks like it's almost better like when they say ignorance is bliss right i almost wish i didn't know what it looked like right because that way i wouldn't i wouldn't see it right. every day and right. and be conscious that it's there every day right yeah. and it's everywhere like it, it's fucking beautiful up here right in my opinion um and, it, and it's and it's uh, it's all over the place up here, oh, yeah, and I, th- I could go home and it's all over the place out there too
0: so I definitely i mean you you guys other guys that are from this area in this room can kind of chime in and, and tell me if I am right or wrong, but I feel like a lot of that that what spawned it in this area for sure was the prescription drugs first, you, do you think that that is
2: yeah well, typically what happens is um down in Philly, like uh, everybody was doing Oxy's, OxyContin, so right. they were in pill form. And uh, what people were doing was basically crushing them up and snorting them, right. or dissolving them in water and injecting it. And right. um, so the pharmaceutical company that that made that was actually sued by the federal government. Um, something to do with uh, with the pharmaceutical company knew um, knew the hazards of addiction with this and didn't. Um, Something like they didn't uh, like they didn't put it out there, even though they knew. Right. And it ended up becoming a huge epidemic in Philly. So now uh, they don't make that drug in that form anymore. So you can't crush them up. And I think they're like gel caps or something now. <clears throat> and the way they're made, you can't abuse them the way that they used to abuse them. So now everybody does Percocets uh, for the, the same exact way. So... Like a, a a Percocet pill in Philly right now is like twenty five to thirty five hours, depending on where you get it. Um, that becomes an expensive habit, and you can go buy a bag of heroin for ten bucks. Right, you know, so that's it gets to be where like it's hard to get pills because now you need somebody with a script, or you have to have a doctor or a pharmacist that that's going to write you a script for it. You know, when you give them give a hundred bucks and they'll write you scripts for whatever. I mean, you can order a prescription paper online and and you know go through the trash outside of a of a um or a pharmacy and pull out you know somebody's you you get your prescription and you take it out of the bag and you throw all that shit in the trash can when you're walking out well those people go through that trash all right so they get you know like a doctor's name uh, a DEA number off of the paper maybe like you you got a script and you decided you didn't want to use it so you throw it in the trash now they have all the information to do their write their own scripts all right and uh, but it, it still becomes expensive, you right. know. And it's easier to go. I mean, you can get heroin uh, in a lot of places in the city, and probably out here too. I mean, delivery services. You know, you call call somebody, tell them where you're parked, and they'll come right to your car and right. and sell it to you. Um, but it's much easier to get heroin and cheaper right. to get heroin. So right. that's I think that's how people get. Like make that transition from prescription drugs to heroin. Right.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's how it. Because ha- I know some good people that either got arrested or overdosed or or whatever. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? You know what I mean? And that's definitely how it started. As you know, back injury, and they get that prescription yep. for the for the you know oxycotton or whatever the painkiller was, and then Yeah, pain meds are an evil thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they're really evil.
0: Right. I mean. So, well, and I think the other thing you're talking about too is like how you know you notice it you know cuz of your job whatever i think that like i definitely notice it in this area just because it's so out of place yeah you know what i mean i like, mean
2: we could go somewhere right now and and with and sit somewhere like we could leave right now and and um you know tell me where a certain uh you know like i could give you like hey we need to you know find me uh Find me a parking lot with, you know, these type of businesses around it, and we could go sit out there, and within a half hour to an hour, I will see a drug deal, right. and I'll point it out to you, and probably we may see more, more right. than one. Right. Well, I could um, go,
0: I mean, the town that I live in, man, we could go right now, we could park on the side, and we could see 10. You know yeah. What I mean? It's it's the craziest thing, you know what I mean? And, like, the fact that, I, I mean, I'll never understand it just because, you know of everything my the way my the course of my life has gone but it's it's crazy to think that someone actually at one point thinks that that's a good idea you know yeah. what i mean it's nuts
2: yeah but i mean you get you know they get caught up in it right so right and, and it's hard like i it's very very hard um you know pe- people people get off drugs all the time it's possible but it's very very um it's very uncommon for people that are heroin addicts to to get off heroin and stay off of it, like to, to, to stay completely clean for the rest of their lives without relapsing. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a very hard drug to get off of.
0: Check that picture. That picture is like the week we started the Academy, and that's at Roberto's 25th anniversary. Look at Jay. Wow. I you mean, know, look how much healthier he looks now. You mean, know, to talk about, like feeling old and not feeling old you know what I mean it's like, yeah it's funny it's insane
2: The I got yeah. I'd have to search through my thing I know I have the picture on on there somewhere right. of mine because I good <laughs> is this Mike hot it's good now. um I did a side-by-side picture uh I think like the day or two after I got my black belt and I put a picture of me when I first started I was a lot heavier um Still as bald, but uh, standing with Jared, and then a, another picture side by side of when it, the day I got my black belt. And I, I, I look definitely look uh, I mean, in my opinion, I look like probably 10 years younger in the later picture than right when I first started. Yeah, for sure. So,
0: it's that fountain of youth, man. Yeah. Just, just get moving, I'm just yeah. get moving. Things and I feel happen. better too. Yeah, I that's like when I started jiu jitsu, it's funny, I'm almost as heavy now as I was when I started jiu-jitsu, but com- for a completely different reason. Yeah. complete bo-
1: body composition is different.
0: Yeah, I'm in so much better shape now for a hundred reasons. You know what I mean? Like It's, it's funny how, but I, I weigh almost exactly the same as the day I started. <laughs> I, was,
1: I was just talking to, about this to, with a member the other day at the CrossFit gym. Is how, <clears throat> how much it actually changes your life to get involved in something like this where, where it's, it's, it's turning back the clock. I mean like be, and and it's turning the, back the clock and and you're starting to do things that you didn't think you would be doing anymore and and I mean I know I for one like I feel way better than I did 5 years ago. Right. And uh, way better shape too. Right. And, but my weight hasn't really changed at all. I mean the the numbers are pretty much the same on the scale, right. but like body-wise you're totally different.
0: Yeah. That's kind of where I was going with the whole, the how much you helped Jared and, and, uh, and kind of asking you about like what, what's next and all that stuff is because, you know, I think of the thing that strikes me the most about you in in all, all the, the, the wide encompassing aspects of who is Pete is, uh, your attitude about things. You know what I mean? You've, you've, you have a great attitude, you know, you post things on Facebook about, you know, funny shit that happens to you at work and it's not like, oh, you know, like you have a good attitude about it. You have a good attitude about work, you have a good attitude about jujitsu. You know, you're obviously a, a dedicated father and grandfather and things like that. And uh, and we were just talking about how you feel, you don't feel old, you feel, you know, like you're younger or whatever. What yeah. do you think that the, the trick is to that longevity of, of, you know, even mentally, but physically as well too. Like, what do you what do you think the the trick is for you?
2: I mean, the trick is for me just it just having a positive attitude, right? Just like a positive mental attitude, right? That's what it is. I, I, you know, I have times where like I'm pissed off or I'm in a bad mood or I'm cranky or you know whatever. I I, I definitely have all those times. I'm not fucking you know walking around fucking shooting rainbows out of my ass all day but (laughs) um, you know I just I I try to I try to have a a positive attitude about everything about life about people I I try to make a I try to make a conscious effort to not have the negative things in my life have a negative impact on my life right Um, I mean that's pretty much it I try to you know like I'm not really religious um, uh, I just I believe in being a good person you know, and I don't do anything with malice in my heart with anything, whether it's my personal life or work. Um, I just I, I I feel better. I feel better always with with everything I do with the intent on doing the right thing. You know, and jujitsu, um, I get I go in if I have a fucking horrible night. Uh, if if I walk in and get my ass kicked the entire night, I will walk out of there feeling positive that I went I went and trained right and I I'm not going to walk out of there feeling bad about myself I just because I'll I'll defeat myself right I'll you know in the end I'm I'm only going to defeat myself and it's going to make me not want to go back again right you know so I'm not walking out of there with feeling bad about myself I'll take whatever little bit I can get if I you know like rolling with you like (laughs) if I could fuck it if I could you know like if I get a sweep on you and and you Destroy me before and after that, but I was able to sweep or I was able to fucking get out of something. Like I, in my eyes, that
0: that's a win. <laughs> right. When, when 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 those small battles, not the war. Yeah. 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 And like
2: you know, like because like I said, I don't want to. I just I want to. My goal in jujitsu is, I I don't I don't necessarily want to be the fucking best jujitsu guy out there. I want to still be training in my seventies. Right. You know, I want to still be alive in my seventies, but. I also want to still be training, you right. know. That's it. It's longevity. I, I want to. I want to do this. I want to. I want to have jujitsu in my life as long as my body will allow me to do it.
0: Right. Are there things you're doing to take care? Like, has your focus switched from? You talked about that survival aspect when you first started. Has has any of your focus switched to um, the longevity of jujitsu? Are you doing? Is your? Because I know for me to put this in kind of context, is like when I got my black belt um, for a number of reasons, I changed my whole game. You know what I mean, I did a certain game when I was a, a purple belt, brown belt. And then when I got my black belt, you know, I was like, I, I kind of threw my game out and, and reinvented my jujitsu game for a lot of reasons. One is because um, I felt like I was really grip dependent on the gi. You know uh-huh. what I mean, so like, I take the gee off, or if it's a self defense situation, there's nothing to grab onto. I was like, Well, nothing I'm doing is gonna work. So I kind of switched so that I'm not so grip dependent. You know, I stopped um, inverting so much. You know, I mean, I, I, I invert when I need to, it's a trick I have in my back pocket, but I'm like, I want to, like, same thing, I want to roll till the day I die. And, you know, if I have start messing up my back and my neck, because I'm always playing this game, putting myself in this position, it's yeah. not real good, you know? Um, so I switched my game up. You know, what I mean? and then like uh, recently, like I started, you know, lifting weights a little more to kind of add some some stability and, and insulation to in my body and protect myself a little bit, and it's made a huge difference. Is there anything like that that you're doing? Are you switching your focus from surviving to, I guess, surviving long term instead of that short term? You know what I mean?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I work out outside of jujitsu. Um, I'm not doing it five days a week, but basically what I do is um, I wake up in the morning, I'll do like, I have an elliptical machine, like a, like a commercial grade elliptical machine. So I'll do that, you know, like 30 minutes in the morning. Um, I I do a lot of stuff with sandbags and I have a TRX um, and I have a small space in, in my, in my house and like a small matted area. So I'll work out there and the days that I can't get to class, I'll work out and do something like that. But I try to do something that's like more like full body right. just for my conditioning. Cause I feel like, I don't know, even today, like, it just seems like I, I get in and train as much as I can and I'll work out on those, on those off days when I can't, but I still feel like I get winded. And, you know, like I have asthma and, and you know, it's, I, I feel like a lot, like I'm still like sucking in air, Like, you know, right. like I get to a point where like, I just feel like I can't fucking breathe anymore. Right. <laughs> um, but I but I push through it, and so I do I do do stuff to to try to help that. Um, as far as my game, like uh, you know, it's I, I just go in and I, I'll go through times where like you know, like I want to play half guard a lot, and, and I'll, or I'll remember something from back in the day that I used to do, and like I, you know, I want to I want to get back to doing that, so I'll do that for a while. Like I'll, right. I'll do a lot of half guard stuff or um you know like I'll try to work top game stuff for like a period but it's not really for a strategy for strategy purposes it's more of um uh you know just that it's i i i remember that i used to do it and i kind of like i forgot all i forgot all about it and i haven't been doing it for a while so i'm going to do that right um my problem still to this day even even from when i started is when I start to get tired, I start, my brain goes into survival mode. Right. And so trying to train my, trying to train myself to think technique when I'm tired instead of think survive. Right. So that's, that's still, Right. Is always a struggle. Yeah, it's it's a constant battle. battle, But, but I think that, I think that battle like within myself makes me a better person. You know what I mean? For sure. And, uh, you know, longevity wise, you know, if, if if you get something like, I don't, I'm not going to hold off and like make you have to fucking snap my leg before I tap. Like right, right. you know, like if a blue belt catches me in something or a purple belt catches me in something, like I'm not going to make them have to break it off. You know, just because I'm a black belt and you're not supposed to be tapping me like right. that. It's you know, I got to go to work. I got to function. I got to do it. There's other shit in my life that right. that I I need. You right. know, I need full function of my body parts right. for. So if you you know if you if you catch me, catch me. It is right. what it is. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so the other thing we are talking about is, oh, well, the whole reason Pete's up here is because, um, we have a student of ours, um, Dan Dion, who's, uh, battling cancer for the second time. Um, he had testicular cancer to begin with, and then he went back for a six month checkup and found out that he had a spot on his lung. And the crazy thing is the jujitsu community has, I mean, his whole, he's such a good kid anyway, that his whole, uh. You know, his whole the community, all the communities he runs in, has, has kind of rallied behind him. And he's raised a ton of money on a GoFundMe page, or whatever. But the Jiu Jitsu community in particular has really rallied around this kid. Um, and the reason that Pete came up here was we did a grapplethon yesterday. So there was a ton of people on the mat. Everybody threw in some money and we rolled for three hours yesterday. Um, I feel like I get hit by a truck. Um, it, was <laughs> like some, it was brutal. It was some tough <laughs> rolling in there. But it was a good time. Um, you know, and I knew the day was going to be epic when I walked in and they were already taking a picture. I ran in, tied my belt, like sat down, took the picture, picture broke and there was Pete. You know what I mean? And the first time we had ever met face to face and came over and, you know, immediately it was a handshake and a hug. You know, it was like we, we knew each other already pretty well. And then the first role was me and Pete, you know, going at it. <laughs> and it, was a, it was an epic role. I knew the rest of the day was going to be a, a good one. Um. But you're mentioning, you know. First, I want to thank you for making the trip up here. You know that means Absolutely. a lot to to us and a lot to Dan. And you know, um, that's kind of what Judas is all about. You talked about this all over and over again. But this is also your first trip, kind of away from BJJ United and and that kind of that small circle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you digging it so far?
2: Yeah, it was the the whole experience was awesome. Um, like everybody at the school was great. Everybody I've met up here, like real nice. It just you know like. I feel like I I walked into a place where I already knew everybody. Um, a, a lot of it is is just like a lot of my jujitsu experience is is just meeting good people. Like I really, <clears throat> I I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head right now that I've met from jujitsu that was a jerk off right. or somebody that I was like that guy's a fucking asshole. Right, and you know. I don't want to deal with them anymore. Everybody I've met through jujitsu is has been awesome and and good people. So I mean that's what jiu-jitsu is about, right? Doing right. bad things to good people. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, but but it was awesome. And like the the thon thing. So I was talking about my buddy John earlier. So we had done a uh we had done a benefit for John and his family at our school. And it was, it was basically like a big seminar. Like, uh, for came down, Vincente Jr. came down. It was like a whole shitload of black belts and everybody taught like a technique or two. And it was, it was enormous. I mean, it was a huge turnout. Um, and this, he, John started blogging about his whole experience throughout, like, when he, when he found out he got diagnosed and all his treatments and stuff. And like he was telling me, he was getting messages and, and friend requests from people all over the country and all over the world, like people in Europe, people in Japan. And he was getting a lot of messages from people that were going through uh, similar situations that were telling him that his his Facebook post and his um, kind of him talking about his experience and him staying positive was actually helping them get through all the stuff they were going through. So um there's this guy uh, Monte that lives out in LA and Monte does Grapple Thons like I don't know if he invented it but I've never heard of it before yeah, yeah. before he did it so basically he will you know become aware of somebody going through like a bad situation like that and he'll do what he calls a Grapple Thon which is basically you come donate whatever you can donate and you know people from all over you know, different schools or whatever can come, and you just show up and train with different people, meet new people, and then he donates all the money to that person, uh, you know, f- to their, them and their family. So he had found out about John somehow and was following John's story and decided he was going to do a grapple-thumb for John. So <clears throat> so he did one and sent the money, you know, sent sent whatever they raised over. to, And um, I think I messaged him and and kind of told him who I was and how John and I were like really close friends and like thank you you know for for doing that for for my friend and I became friends with him on Facebook. So one day I got a message. Uh, John was in the hospital for, um, I think it was leading up to his bone marrow transplant. It might have or it might have been a bout of pneumonia, but it was it was it, it was something related to his bone marrow transplant. It might have been right after it. So I get a message, and he says, look, I'm coming to the East Coast, and I really would like to meet John in person and, and go visit him and stuff. So I said, fuck yeah, man, come. You all know, right. like I picked him up from the airport, never met the guy before, and uh, took him all around Philly, you know, like showed him a couple things, and then we walked, We went up to the hospital, and, and he met John in person in the hospital, and it was like, I know it meant a lot to John that some stranger did all that stuff for him, and, and then you know thought enough to travel that far at it just to go meet him right. you know and shake his hand in person and tell him you right. know like how much John inspired him right. to do stuff um so th- i mean that it meant a lot to john but it was it was very special to me being john's friend and um you know you, you don't really you these days you don't find that in people a lot like you don't find people that 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 just want to do something nice for somebody because you're a good person and you want to help another human being so he flew back, and then um, sometime afterwards, uh, he there was a post on Facebook, and he said like he was coming up this way yeah. to New Hampshire. Does anybody know any spots? So like I was friends with you on Facebook, and I said go to Port City. <coughs> so here he shows up at Port City, and that's right. how he came to you guys. Right. And um, I, I saw something that. Uh, that that Gabe took care of him when he was here, yeah. so I sent Gabe a message and was like, "Hey, you know, this is who I am, this is how I know Monte, and you know, I was the one that told him to come. I'm friends with Derek on Facebook, and right. but I never met any of you guys in person. I really appreciate you taking care of him. I kind of gave him like a brief uh, story about what Monte did for John, and right. and so I became friends with Gabe on Facebook, and right. then George came down to Philly, and I met that I met you know George and Amanda, and and uh, so when last week, the, um, something, like, a notification kept popping up on Facebook for the, for your GrappleThon for Dan, right? and it was, like, it just, it kept coming up, like, the whole day. Every time I looked at it, there was something about the GrappleThon, and I was, like, I gotta fucking go, you know. I, I always (laughs) wanted to, I always wanted to do one of them to just, just, um, like, kind of as a, uh, like a show of a show of gratitude right. for for what Monte did for John and right. so I wanted to be able to support something like that for somebody else so uh so I, yeah so it was popping up all day Monday I went I went home and told my wife I was like look I'm going to go I'm going to drive up there and do this thing I'm going to get a hotel room I'm going to be going for a couple of days and she was like yeah you know I like got hold the fort down here and so that was it. I just spurred a moment. I wanted right. to keep it a secret from everybody. You know, like, I didn't know you guys were, you know, I wasn't expecting, like, everybody, oh, my God, Pete's here. Right. But, uh, but I told George, I said, look, you know, can you keep a secret? I'm going to, I booked the, you know, got a hotel room. I want to come up for the thing. And he was all excited. I said, don't tell anybody. I just want to, I want to get up there. And then, you know, like, just, I I guess just so people knew that somebody cared enough to travel that far to help, you know, to help Dan. Right. So. That's what I
0: did. That was awesome, man. I remember I was sitting there and like Pete's one of the random people or one of the few people that I don't have blocked on Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm seeing these pictures and it's like he's like or videos and he's like driving, you know, and it was snowing out like oh, a, it was a fucking blizzard, <laughs> it was a blizzard. It was so horrible. he's not on any of the the highways. So he's on like these main or these back roads, and I'm like. And it's usually pictures that come from Pete's feet are like all like from Philadelphia, whatever. And I'm like, oh, Pete's leaving the city. That's awesome. Like, good for him. You know, like going on vacation. Like whatever. You. You know what I mean, I'm thinking I think he's going north or whatever, like 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 direct north, not northeast, you no. Know I mean? And then like see a couple more, a couple more, and then like at like I don't know, it was like eight o'clock, whatever. He fucking checks into Street in Portsmouth, and I'm like what <laughs> i didn't know he was coming so it was, it was funny he was like but i was like so i was like oh great pete's leaving the city That's good for him. get out of the city see, see some nature you yeah know? I,
2: I purposely was trying to like take the like take the pictures in the video so i didn't get any highway signs because i didn't want anybody to see right. it and be like oh he's coming up this way i just thought it would be cool to you oh, know it,
0: like it was awesome man was, everything
2: with me has got to be a fucking some kind of little you know, I got to make it special. Right, everything I do, I got to have something that makes it special. Right. So that's just my personality. So yeah, that's,
0: that's, I mean, that's a good quality to have. You know, kind of make everything special. Uh, It's funny too. Is like talk about that whole same idea. What's going on? You know, it's like even like so. Another way that Jared and I connected, and uh, I mean, to be real honest with you, a lot of this is because of Jared and, and Kenny too. Is uh, um, sponsored by Show Your Roll,
3: uh-huh.
0: and it was like the whole reason I got into Show Your Roll is because it. Uh, of, of Jared and Kenny wearing showy rolls back in the day. Uh-huh. And, I've been, and I've been wearing them ever since, you know, because of those guys. And then, like, recently, probably in the past, like, two years or whatever, Bear, the guy who owns show reached out to me and was like, hey, you've been supporting the brand for a long time. Like, do you want to be on the team? And I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, like, I've been wearing this stuff for, for fucking ever, you know, paying astronomical prices, you know, just getting my hands on whatever I could. And then, I don't know who let Bear know, but he auctioned off Like two prototype geese and gave all the money to Dan. That's awesome. Like, so it was like this company that I've been supporting forever because of two guys that I really looked up to flipped the whole script and don't like auctioned off these super rare geese that some guy, same thing, some guy from uh, James Foster, who's a black belt from Washington, it was like this guy's like 6'5, he's like 280. So he wears like an A5 gee, right? Buys this a one long gi that i don't think would fit anybody pays 1200 bucks for and it might fit george right pays 1200 bucks for it and then donates it back to be auctioned off again like the crazy like the jews Ju- community is insane like for that stuff that's you know awesome. yeah so it's just it's amazing everything we talked about today and then everything that's going on in dan's life and with us whatever it's like you know i, I feel blessed that i've I fell into that community, and
2: yeah, and, and like for like we were talking about, um, you know, like the competition stuff and all. Like for me, all that stuff that you just said for me, that's what jujitsu is about. Right. Like that's the most valuable thing that jujitsu's given me, and, and that's what I hold in a higher esteem than medals. Right. You know.
0: So so speaking of that, and we can kind of wrap up with this is a, a very special thing dropped today about ten minutes ago. Was the Jiu Jitsu versus the world video. Yeah. And uh, Pete's in it, which is pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I just saw it on YouTube. <laughs> they, 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 they stopped at Jared's school. We found his, I found his scene too. <laughs> <laughs> the, looking good, brother. And, uh, <laughs> First thing is Jared kicking your ass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so, 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 well, speaking about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 can they hear what you just said on there? They can
1: hear it, uh, probably.
2: Yeah, you so yeah, kick. Jared. First thing on there is Jared kicking my ass, which happens every time I roll with him. um, Which you know, I try to kick his ass, and I have been trying to kick his ass for years. And that my entire jujitsu life, I've never, not one single time, ever submitted him. And I try. Right. I try hard. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard stories. I <laughs> which mean. is a testament right. to him. Right. You know his. Right. And, well, and i'm fine if, if i never do that's good but uh you know i want to so i'm gonna keep trying hopefully <laughs> when he gets older he'll slow down <laughs> i might have to wait till he's like 55 or 60 years old to get him but right. at some point before i stop i have to get him at least once
0: right so if uh anybody wants to to, to check out pete on uh jiu-jitsu of the world do that um anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up and you want to plug anything you need to
2: no just you know I th- want to thank you guys for being awesome people and you know man. let
0: me train at the school and likewise man anytime you want to come back and train and I'm um, definitely planning on making that trip down to Philly sometime soon Ma-
2: making my trip to New Hampshire epic
0: good good I'm glad it was that it was awesome awesome anything you need to talk about yeah, thanks for joining us on the podcast thank you appreciate yeah. it right,
1: so stay tuned everyone see you next time see ya